Looks like the stars have been scattered across the ground. Have you ever seen anything so full of splendor? Drop it! Duncan and both come correct. So, the terror is just now my neon demon. What, as in, like, you love it and I've not watched it yet? Right, of like, yeah, yeah, but the, what the, the, the fuck, the, man, come on. The, the difference between you and me when it comes to that is the terror is how many weeks away from being finished? Uh, Two or three, maybe. Yeah, as soon as that fucker finishes, I'll binge watch the shit out of that. It'll be gone in a week. I'll have oh. it all watched within a week. And see, two years from now, I'll still be asking you if you've seen the Neon Demon. Yeah, I mean, that's accurate. But <laughs> more importantly, I feel like there is some benefit to seeing the terror with a little bit of distance between episodes. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a bit of a, a fine wine quality. I, and this may just be me. But oh, no, I, I, I but do I'd... like to savor it and then put it put it back on the shelf. A dusty mm -hmm. tome that returns to its shelf. <laughs> Well, it's, it's the Westworld experience. I would hate to, as much as, like, in the back of my head, I would love to have the entirety of Westworld just ready to watch it all. But I don't. I, I like the idea of me, you know, like, once a week, having that, that almost that ritual now that I have where, I like, every, everyone's in their bed. I sit, sit myself down, sit down and watch Westworld to myself, absorb the TV show, and then I get the opportunity to, like reminisce, remunerate, and um, recap everything that I've seen here with you I, as part of that ritual. If I was just, if this was just a Netflix show, um, I would have finished it by now. I'd be talking about how amazing it is, but not touching on any of the detail um, or nowhere near the detail of the show. All the clever things it does would be there. So, um, yeah. I, if the terror feels weighty, I'll probably space it out one a night. Um, but yeah, there's yeah. At this stage, just now, I want to Ray Donovan's this sort of TV show. I can just binge watch like episode, episode, episode. It's like you can tell it's a Showtime show because it reminds me very much of the the kind of binge ability of something like Dexter, where you could just roll episode, episode, episode. So it's kind of like that. So I'm in this. I'm my brain's now in this phase of I've got two seasons left, and that's me fully caught up with it. I've already rattled through three seasons in five days. By this time next week, I will have finished and put to bed Ray Donovan. So, um, so I'm in that mentality. And by then, the terror will be a bit finished. And I can swing right into that. All right. Well, I'm glad you have a plan, at least. Always have a plan, Bo. Always have a plan. <laughs> That's why uh, in, in the event shit really goes down apocalypse-wise, mm -hmm. I need to find my way to you. I'll never survive on my own. <laughs> No skill whatsoever in self-preservation. I need to be among people that give a shit if I die, mm -hmm. at least on an emotional level. Yeah, but the, you see, the thing is, like, you'd have to make your way to me and not Baz, because see if you made your way to, towards Baz, Baz would kick you out the door and then lock it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even on me, he would do that to me. He'd like, fuck you, McLeish. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is serious. Because that is literally just what he does. Oh, by the way, like, like we're talking Scottish accents. Whoo! Oh, but still my beating heart, Peter Mullen. Oh, Peter Mullen, how much do I love you? And when you show up in TV shows that I didn't know you were going to be in, and then I just smile from ear to ear, and then you say the word cunt, and I get an erection. Um, <laughs> honestly, fucking Westworld can do 
no wrong. And fucking little, what's his face from Breaking Bad? Just makes Giancarlo Esposito. Yes. Yeah, yeah two minute appearance. Great monologue. See you later. <laughs> right. I hey, <laughs> welcome to the show and 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 goodbye forever. I guess yeah. all all in one episode. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, but yeah, you want you want to make yourself in the event of a zombie apocalypse, you definitely want to make yourself available to me. You'd want to make your way to me. Did you see the Did you see the thing I posted uh, as a little teaser for for Baz v uh, <laughs> Clyde Barker? Oh yes, I did. Which was very oh, funny. The gremlin. So, oh yeah, he really made like, me laugh. Yeah, but within he like talks. He's he's opening thing is like uh, about you know this this greasy looking fucker who has a knockoff Rubik's cube from the old guy from Gremlins, and then he's like that. He goes the next time we see this guy, he's lubed up to the max. So this is Frank in the room opening the box. <laughs> he's like he's lubed up to the max. Candles lit around him. This is a man I can get behind. He's gonna have a wee wank. I can tell. He's like that. He's, he's getting so either that or insert <laughs> insert the puzzle box up his ass. And I'm like that. Isn't that like the very definition of like putting a, a square peg in a round hole? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. He goes, this guy. I like to cut this guy's jib. And he goes, ah, but I then see him trying to open the least complicated puzzle box ever. And he goes, because all you do is you push the button. And I'm like, no, but you move your eyes. Like, shut up. All you do is you push the button in the middle. He goes, you would think for a puzzle box that. That has some serious, serious ramifications from when you open it. It'd be a bit more difficult to open than press the button in the middle. Oh, it's so funny! It's like it's everything you want from a Baz V Hellraiser and more. I can't wait! It, it drops in I think about two weeks time. I'm supposed to be recording Nightbreed with him this week, and I really don't want to do that because I get the feeling he's just going to tear it to shreds. Oh, of course he is. I don't want that though. Nightbreed's like legitimately one of my favorite movies, so. Yeah, no, he is. He's gonna rip it a new one and just get ready for it because I like, and I kind of get why he would. You know, mm-hmm. that is that movie is very much about being kind of a monster kid and, and being, <laughs> yeah. being the outcast and whatnot. And I don't think he's gonna empathize <laughs> with the main character, which you kind of need to do in that film. It's got a gun. Oh man. Oh, David, David Cronenberg should just be in everything. Just he he cameo just, in everything. Yeah. He should have a cameo in Westworld. Could you imagine, Bo? Oh man, I'm surprised he didn't have. A, I'm surprised with all the fucking cameos in Twin Peaks. David Cronenberg was not in Twin Peaks. I yeah, he's probably off like in a sensory deprivation tank with a VR helmet strapped on him or something, trying to experience some new realm of reality. Yeah, what is David Cronenberg doing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's like that. It must have something coming out because um, a what do you call it? Map to the Map to the Stars is a few years ago now. Yeah. Nope, it has nothing against his name at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he's also what seventy four. He was in a TV show. <laughs> Last year, a miniseries where he was in all the episodes and he played a, a reverend. What the fuck is this? How can I watch this? Alias what? Grace. What the? Oh, I heard about this. I heard this was good. Netflix. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will double back to Alias Grace. <laughs> I I've, No, I actually have heard that this is legitimately pretty good. And I didn't realize that he was in it. 
as, as a Canadian production, so that kind of makes sense. Sure, he just walked out his back door, and they were like, <laughs> right on set. <laughs> hey, yeah, we're filming a thing here, and he's like, oh. And they're like, holy shit, you're David Cronenberg. And he's like, yes, I am. And they're like, you fit right in. <laughs> like, it's a period piece, and somehow you are perfectly dressed for this. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, well, I need to watch that now. There we go. See, I, I love these conversations, Bo, because I would not have checked that. Yeah, well, I, I like to be of some value, Duncan. I yet to find a really good thing to point to, <laughs> but now I've got it. I, I point of view to an obscure yeah. Netflix series with oh, uh, I, uh, <laughs> that stars David Cronenberg. That's worth it. Is worth I, it. I could die happy. So I, I have not seen your Morbid Monday yet, so okay. I don't know what you talked about, good or bad, so this will be refreshing, because generally when you talk about your bad on here, it's one that I've already heard you kind of rip into. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to this. This could be fun. Well, we'll put an end to that, Duncan. Welcome, everyone, to uh, <laughs> Duncan and Bo Come Correct, or uh, in this case, Duncan and Bo Go to Westworld. Uh, mm-hmm. This is our second trip into Westworld in season two, uh, an episode entitled Reunion, and uh, we will get to that momentarily. But first, Duncan, we like to begin the show uh, with a little look at what we've been watching, good and bad. Uh, mm-hmm. We won't we won't dick around here. We're both doing fine. Don't uh, nobody need to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and. So I'm more curious what you've been watching, uh, even though I feel like I know the answer to this already, and the good <laughs> and bad is the same thing, because it it's, is the only thing. It's the only thing I've watched out with Westworld. Yeah, I'm, for years now, people, like, this is what how it works with me, for years people, I moan, I moan to everyone because I recommend things, and if they don't quickly uptake and a viewing of said thing that I've recommended, I get kind of snotty about it. Um, I don't know and, what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> neon Demon! <laughs> bad cough, bad cough there. Kind of bad cough that sounded like I said Neon Demon when I didn't. Um, but yeah, I get a bit snotty about it. Especially when some people will guilt trip me into watching Gunwoman. Like the night that they tell me I should watch Gunwoman. Just if only that love was reciprocated. I, I appreciate it. that. And I, I'm, I've been mostly good. It, it's really Neon Demon that's the problem. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, it must be easily about three or four years ago since someone recommended Ray Donovan to me, uh, which is a Showtime TV show. I think it started the same year that Dexter finished on Showtime. So this was like very much like HBO transitioning from Game of Thrones into Westworld, uh, which congratulations, Westworld. You've just been renewed for a season three as of tonight, the night of this recording. Um, who would have thought? Ha- who would have thought? Who would have thought? Um, you know, by the second episode and they would have greenlit it. It's because it's fucking awesome. Uh, me and Bo have been telling you so. Uh, so yeah, um, Ray Donovan was the show that they were kind of pivoting to. And right enough, I think it's had five seasons. The sixth season comes out this year. Um, The first three seasons are on Amazon Prime in the UK. So I'm saying to Bo off air, I have legitimately binge watched three seasons worth of Ray Donovan Donovan in five days, which is 36 episodes at 45 minutes each. 
to do the math, um, that's a lot of TV I have consumed, but I kind of love this TV show. I think it's like a darker, nastier Californication, which was another show that I I, I did have quite a lot of time for. Um, so it's, I, I can never pronounce this guy's name right. It's Lee Schreiber, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Lee Schreiber, I think. Yeah, so he's the main guy. He's the titular Ray Donovan, um, a guy who comes from Southie in Boston, uh, who is relocated um, to LA and is a fixer, essentially. So he's like Winston Wolf <laughs> in Pulp Fiction, uh, but for. At a cocktail party at 7 30 in the morning. Pretty much, yeah. Like he's like, just goes around. He works for this high powered legal firm. Um, in season one, and he, uh, th- this legal firm has like a lot of representation from a lot of famous people, and Ray Donovan just sorts problems out. Generally, you know, hiding dead hookers and you know, threatening the press, etc., to 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 derive a different narrative. Um, and we get introduced to his family, which because you know it's America, it's a dysfunctional family. Uh, with a wife that kind of hates him, kind of loves him, kind of hates him. Um, uh, a son who is socially awkward to the point of, I don't quite know what's happening with you. And a daughter who is trying to find her places, someone who's very intelligent, ac- academically gifted, but obviously a bit restless because she's in LA. And as the season one starts, um, Ray Donovan's father is released from a 20-year stint in prison. He is played by John Voight who is fucking great in this TV show. In fact, across the board, the casting in this TV show is brilliant. Um, and the the choice of actors and actresses that, that come into play, either bit parts or, or larger roles, is just weird and wonderful and great. Uh, the big bad in season one is James Woods, who is fucking brilliant, even though I don't agree with modern-day James Woods because he's a bit of a crazy racist, Bo. Don't know if you know this. I'd heard rumors, and it's one of the least surprising turns an actor has ever taken, as far as oh, I'm of concerned. Course, of course not. <laughs> I'm like, Noted really a- asshole actor, James Woods, <laughs> turns out is an asshole. <laughs> he's, he's really good in the show. He's really, really good. Um, the, the, the big bad in season two, now I'm already forgetting what happened in season two. Two. But um, in season two, we had uh, Audrey Horn, the, the actress that plays Audrey Horn. Um, Cheryl. Is it Cheryl Ann Lee? Is that her name? Uh, Cheryl Lee, I think. Cheryl Lee. Uh, so she's in it, and she is married to um, a dude whose name escapes me, but is also a famous actor. Um, and like we're getting all these bits, parts, all these kind of like famous people and all the rest. Um, season three. They just started throwing like everything at the wall. The kind of quote unquote big bad in season three is Ian McShane. Ooh, okay. And he's fucking amazing in it. Um Katie Holmes plays Ian McShane's daughter. She's really good in it as well. Um I think that was after she got out of the whole Scientology thing and she was trying to get herself back into a bit of work. Um <laughs> uh, Sarah Palmer, I can never remember the actress's name, but She's she has she's a villain in it and she has a fairly sizable role. And she's all right, fucking... let's let's clear the Twin Peaks stuff up. First of all, it's Sherilyn Finn. We're both stupid, right? Uh, who is you know of course Audrey Horn and uh, Grace Zabriskie. Yeah, is uh, the name of Mrs. Palmer. 
she plays an Armenian like godmother, like in the mafia, the Armenian mafia. <laughs> like, do, do the lights kind of crackle around her? Like, is she? She's doing the crazy face all the way through it, man. It's fucking amazing, and her hair looks like she's been struck by lightning. Um, it's like all out and edge, and like they, they must have went through at least three or four cans of hairspray to get her hair looking the way it is, and she's doing the crazy face all the way through it. It's fucking glorious, man. It's absolutely glorious. Um, so yeah, I, I, and what what I love about the TV show is that Ray is not a nice guy. He's clearly not. He's and Showtime know what they're doing because they did something very similar with Dexter, who is a guy who is a serial killer, but we kind of root for him because he only kills bad people, which makes the killing okay, maybe. <laughs> You know what I mean? In the case of this one, Ray Donovan is not a nice guy. He's he's a pretty shitty husband. He's a pretty shitty father. He's a pretty shitty son. He uses and abuses people. He assaults people. And he does it all because part of him kind of gets off in it. Uh, but the other part of him is he just, you know, he's single-minded, um, pure of thought and focus when it comes to, this is the job, and if I do this job, I get money for it. Um but you kind of root for him throughout the show, even though you don't want to, you kind of do. And he is getting by season, the end of season three, he's in a dark, dark place. He keeps making decisions that ultimately drive him further down the road of um, sexiness, lack of, oh. lack of morals, really. I think the. Uh, he gets more involved with things that spiral out with his control, and he's frantically scrambling constantly to think that the next thing will sort the issue and it doesn't it just makes him indebted to someone else it's it's a really 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 good tv show um surprise surprise six seasons and uh and, you know they're doing something right over there i, I just really like it i i think it's i i it just has a a a through story which just works really well for me and even though each season kind of technically has a big bad in it once again thinking Dexterish, um with it it doesn't feel like oh we're on to a new season now and all oh, right well, what's ray gonna do this season it just feels like we're following this massive character arc that i can get behind completely so yeah i've been watching a lot of ray donovan ray donovan's great and ian mcshane oh Every time that man walks on the screen, I'm just like, could you be one of the best actors walking the earth right now? <laughs> yes, I think so. Yeah, he's real good. I like him like, a lot. I like him in uh, John Wick a lot. They're real small parts, but I really like him in those movies. He's he's not really playing too much different in this, um, <laughs> in this TV show. He's maybe a slightly more sinister uh, version of his character from John Wick, and obviously American Gods. I thought he was fucking phenomenal. Oh, I uh, still haven't watched that yet. I need to get on well, that. Why does that not surprise me, Bo Ransdell? All right, I'll tell you what. Let me. Uh, I, I'm I'm actually <laughs> wrapping up a, a series I have been watching recently, and uh, I may do American Gods after that. Um, you, the key word in there is me. I'm glad that at least you did that instead of telling me you were going to do it and then break your promise. <laughs> I promise you, Duncan. I me. I I will absolutely hundred percent consider watching American Gods. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> Don't ever change. So yeah, that's that's my good. There has been no bad for me at all. I've been blessed in the last week. Bo, enlighten me. What's been your good and your bad, sir? Uh, I'll start with the bad. Uh, and and this one even ain't so bad. 
Um, it's a, a movie that I, I've, I've since learned, because we talked about it a little bit on uh, the Morbid Mondays last night, that it was a made-for-USA network uh, horror film called They Nest. Uh, I think I know the artwork for this. And it features uh, John Savage as uh, uh, like this local fisherman. You know, one of the locals that when uh, this main character doctor shows up is like, we don't trust anyone around here, see? And because um, <laughs> it's in Maine and I can't do an accent from there. And um, uh, Dean Stockwell is in it. Oh, nice. As the sheriff, spoilers, what gets uh, cockroach eggs laid in him. And then he opens up with cockroaches at one point in the movie. Yes, I have seen the artwork for this, but I have never seen it. It's 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 a B movie to be sure, but it's a, a pretty fun one. Mm. So if you're in the mood for a bunch of killer cockroaches, uh, <laughs> it it's it. In fact, uh, we we talked about this a little bit last night. Um, it has a little bit of Kingdom of the Spiders in it. Oh, sold. So. You know, it's very much a like, hey, we're going to get a little taste of something here, a little taste of something here. And then the last half hour is fucking ape shit. So uh, that is kind of the bad. I'm just recommending that as as a soft recommend to people uh, for whom the sentence uh, African cockroaches lay eggs (laughs) in people and they hatch sounds like a good movie. It is. It's just what you think it is, Duncan. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh dear. Um, oh. The good movie uh, is I saw that Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, and I gotta tell you, man, that's like I again. I want to go too much into it uh, for fear of spoilers, and there there's a fair amount to spoil in this film. Um, but it's a dark affair, Duncan. Um, mm. it is, in fact, I will, my skepticism in my voice here because I've already heard some details and I think, well, no, I'm going to say it and we'll speak about it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say that when it comes to the end of the movie, the best way I've heard it described, uh, was from red letter media and their description of the end was it's like the end of empire strikes back. The difference being that the end of that movie is bittersweet, and mm-hmm. there's nothing sweet about the end of Avengers. Right now, I right, we're not going to spoil anything, obviously, but I know that certain characters die. Uh huh. Right now, here is my question to you: Right, when you have a cinematic universe which doesn't really rely on overall continuities. Right, it doesn't. At times, it says it's doing certain things, particularly with Iron Man series, where you know, right, I'm hanging up. I'm not being Iron Man anymore, and then all of a sudden, in the next movie, oh, we're Iron Man again. Um, when, when we have when we have that that happens, and when people go and watch it and they see which characters have been killed off, which make no sense, right? Do you not think that? we could be on the precipice of a second installment of this movie, which finds a way to undo some of this. Oh, thus negating the darkness of it. Of, of I don't, course. Yeah, but, but, but that to me, doesn't that spoil, like, doesn't that spoil it for you, though? Like, isn't, no. isn't the whole, 
Mm. It it doesn't because I I grew up reading comic books, and the comic books are the fucking worst. Yeah, they are but- rotten with. <laughs> oh, oh my God! We killed Magneto. Oh, we found a ray that turns DNA into a ma- Magneto baby. So now it's back. <laughs> you know, what? it's just chock full of that shit. But I, I and I will say, I think my early prediction, and obviously, I don't know nothing from nothing. Really, my early prediction is that the way some of what happens in this movie gets undone is losing some of the characters that remain. And that's also what gets them out of their contract with Marvel now. <laughs> and, or you know, good Lord. I mean, RDJ is probably going to have an EP credit on every Marvel movie from here on out. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think... I think at the end of the day, once the, the second part of this movie happens next year, I guess, that there will be characters that are no longer in the Marvel Universe, and then mm-hmm. there are characters that will take the place of those. Yeah, no, I, I I get that, but certain of the choices of certain characters that are not there... I, I one, one has been spoiled for me which came as a bit of a surprise to me because that is only just a recent thing that's happened. Here's my issue with it, right? Is that it's fine to say that 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 sort of stuff happens in comics, right? That's cool. But it's a movie I'm going to see and you cannot set up peril and play with... It's it's one of the things that annoys me in horror movies more than anything, but it annoys me in action movies as well, is that if you're going to commit to the darkness... Commit to the darkness. There's plenty of movies where everything's been right as rain at the end of it. If you're going to have a war and you're going to have casualties, don't just give us the ones that, like you've just said, the ones that are obvious that are coming out of contract and we know who these ones are. I know who these ones are and I don't even fucking follow the, follow it. Right. right. And, you know, I know that like, we're setting up a like a whole new series of ones. and uh, Right, so I know that. If you're going to go dark, Bo, if you're going to go dark, go dark. Go yeah, better, I'll tell go home. I, I will tell you though, Duncan, through the course of this movie, like I know that on an on an intellectual level, I'm you know, I'm not stupid mostly. No. <laughs> but <laughs> but even watching the movie, for one thing, the movie is incredibly well paced. This mm-hmm. thing fucking trucks. I mean, there is something happening in every corner of the film. Um, it, it handles the characters all very well. Some of the interactions between characters that shouldn't be in the same scene together ever in a movie, uh, are, are surprisingly good and funny and, and in some cases kind of emotional. Um, it, yeah, I mean like everything it sets out to do, it does well. Now, if you, if, if you're one of those people and I know several of them. Uh, who are just like, I don't give a shit about superhero movies at all, then this is probably not going to turn you around on any of that. I know that I don't give a shit about superhero movies. I I like going and seeing a good movie. I I just feel like I've seen... It's fucking good. It's got a great villain. Like the, the Thanos character that's been popping up at the end of these movies for 10 years now. Um who I I had no idea how they were going to how they were going to make Thanos a compelling character. Like I remember him from the comics, Thanos the Mad Titan who was constantly trying to get Lady Death to fuck him. So that's why he <laughs> set out on a crazy mission to murder, you know, billions. Um 
It's true. That's not how it went down in the comics. Not how it happens in the movie. Literally, literally me on a Saturday night after three pints. Yeah, it's... I actually have been rereading the original Infinity Gauntlet stuff, and it's crazy how much of that is just like, God damn it, why won't she fuck me? (laughs) <laughs> like I've literally done everything she asked. Um, yeah. it, it, anyway, but, uh, but his character in the film, it's one of those villains that, uh, believes he's the hero mm-hmm. and he, you totally understand his point of view. He's a, he, he is wrong. Obviously he is a maniac, but he also has a consistent worldview and one of the interesting things about the character, well, like a little detail of his character, is that he is constantly telling people like, no, 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 I didn't lie to you. I never lie. And there, there's a moment he has with, uh, with Gamora, where, uh, who, of course, is the daughter of, of, of Thanos. And uh, he's asking her for some information that she says she doesn't know. And he says, um, you're lying. And I know you're lying because I never taught that to you and you're terrible at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like he's just one of those characters that has a very defined ethos. He has a motivation. He knows exactly what the fuck he wants and how he's going to go about it. And he's a, an intimidating villain. You know, like the scenes where the the you know the cast of heroes first run into Thanos, he fucks them up good Duncan um it's fantastic man I, it, like it's a good action movie it's got a lot of heart and if you've been following these Marvel movies and thought I don't know how they're ever gonna top something like Civil War which is something I really enjoyed and th- and that's what they managed to do was like oh you thought that was jam-packed with shit look at this fucking thing so, and, right, and it all works right right here's you right so, tonality is a big thing with me, right? I, I, I like, I, I'm all down for universes and continued universes and all the rest if the stakes are are real moving forward. And yeah, I think, I yeah, think I, my, I, my concern will be if they kill off however many and all the rest, that no one wants to then go and see the next wave of superhero movies and everyone's depressed. So I almost feel that it gets written off and they go back to the, the kind of fun stuff and all this. Plus, I, I keep feeling like every every movie tries to ramp up the next... And they have to because they're big movies. They're huge movies now. I mean, this movie broke box office heck records for a weekend release by an insane amount. <laughs> like, And it's you know, I'll be on track to be, if not the biggest movie of all time, you know, damn near the biggest movie of all time, because um, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna do a lot. I don't even know if it's been released in China yet, and when it does, that's when it'll become the biggest. <laughs> right, right. When it, when a movie like that's why Jurassic Park, the last Jurassic Park movie, is like the fourth highest grossing movie of all time or something, and it wasn't because it did particularly well anywhere else, but it went to China, and then that's when it became the biggest thing that's ever happened. Um, so, and that's why we're getting a new one. Uh, which incidentally looks fucking great. Can't wait for that movie. Um, but what but, that new Jurassic Park movie? Yeah, that thing looks fucking rotten. I didn't like Jurassic World. I thought Jurassic World was laughably bad, and I I think this looks worse. I think you don't know what you're on about. I I I hated Jurassic World. I sat with a bag of popcorn. You're literally just telling me about. 
go and watch a movie about cockroaches implanting fucking things in someone's ears and dinosaurs walking on the screen and you just you can't get behind that no I no i oh, man, once the I dinosaurs it. start chit-chatting with each other in that movie at the end where the t-rex and the fucking of a velociraptor are trying to figure out like do you want to take this guy how about you it's just like <laughs> what are we even doing in this movie what a, what is going on here? What is going on yeah, with the you'll uh, happily watch mind. Godzilla team up with like, you Yes, know, you, you're goddamn right I will. That has more inter- it's it's about the internal logic of a movie, Duncan. And this movie pretends to be somewhat set in the real world. And then everybody does the stupidest possible thing they can do. None of it makes any sense. I, I just I, I I just hated it anyway Did you like any of the sequels to jurassic park um yeah i thought the second one was was okay um yeah that was about it i didn't think the third one was very good no one should go back to that island right after people yeah. die viciously by um, fucking you know truck-sized monsters like no one should ever go back to jurassic park so the fact that second movie exists just blows the logic out of the water well and when when i because they showed the trailer for this in front of uh, uh the infinity war movie and the, the film one yeah like the, 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 the original the original trailer that was released doesn't really i thought it looked all right but when i saw the full trailer about oh well it's not all just set on the island which to me i was like i've seen that movie like three times now so right and and they they're playing up this um <laughs> uh shit Jeff Goldblum cameo like he's going to be a real part of the movie and I Oh he's going to be he's going to be in it for he's going to be in it as long as uh, as long as the trailer as long as the yeah, dialogue you've heard in the trailer um, I don't. I'll have that in my movie any day of the week. Jeff Goldblum sitting there talking, saying life finds a way on camera. Yeah, even if it's just that. That's. I'll, uh, you're you're right. I'll watch that scene and and with a smile on my face. But uh, I I think the idea of pet dinosaurs is stupid. I don't want it in a Jurassic Park movie. And the fact that there there's clearly that's key to this film of like oh there's this lost pet that fucking Chris Pratt's got to go get. Because let's just stomp on the face of science and reason in this film. Yeah, but people have pet tigers and pet lions, and people like he that was... trained lions and tigers. The internet's full of videos of people that you know have trained on safari parks, lions and tigers, and went back to see them thirty years after, and they recognize them and hug them and kiss I, them. And I just don't want to see it in a movie about dinosaurs who want to eat people. I don't want to see him being pets. I want to see him being monsters. I think you're going to see plenty of them being monsters. I but, think and, that's and, and, an idea that you can have a trainer with a pet. Well, and also the fact that at the end of the trailer, it's just like, what dinosaur is that? Oh, they made another fucking horrendous monster that can't be stopped for no good reason because Literally we just did any, it in the last any, movie. Any fucking... Any kaiju movie, bro, where they just there's a, a new fabricated monster. Right, from but a those new are silly, Duncan. There's an uh, there's a silliness about them for I the most part. You're, you're approaching Jurassic Park as a serious movie. It's not a serious movie. I'm approaching Jurassic sequels. Park because the original Jurassic Park is a serious for real movie. Yeah, but and now sequel. they've become <laughs> Carnosaur Six. Like there is probably more logic in Carnosaur Four than there is in Jurassic World Fallen kingdom or whatever i will literally go into the cinema and watch a giant fucking t-rex stomp across the screen even if it's a cgi t-rex i'll go and see that because it's a big fucking monster in a movie 
I thought you would be with me on that, Bob. I Fun Bo has died along with no. You I went to see fucking you went to see Infinity War and a small party of wondrous childhood died watching that movie. Now it's you it's very sad somebody. at the end. It is. <laughs> did you did you cry? I didn't cry, but there's one moment. Uh, in fact, it's it's what you mentioned in the bleep, uh, mm-hmm. where it was like, "Fuck, man, that wasn't fair." Um, not just because of who it is, but just kind of how it is. And it's like, oh man, it, it's a real, not like this kind of moment from the matrix <laughs> where you're just like, fuck that sucks. <laughs> um, it, it was brutal, man. I was, I was like, God damn dude. It's like, like when someone tells you like they died screaming, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you're just like, ugh, like what an awful way to go. <laughs> Except, do, 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 do you think like just because like I have no vested interest, I, I don't hate comic book movies. I know it pivots to that a lot. I don't. I told you I watched. Uh, in fact, I tell you uh, th- this is the world that I live in, Bo. Uh, the new Ant Man trailer dropped, and I was like, that that looks like a fun fucking movie. Can't wait to go and see that. That does look oh. like a lot of fun. Yeah. Totally will go and see that, because that's what I want in my superhero movies. I want fun. Um, yeah, this I, I this may want... be the one to skip then, because yeah, it, but... it's very funny and it's a good time, but it, it lands in a heavy place. Yeah, but that t- like to me, a lot of the... I don't know. I, I just think like when you, when you pivot that it's the end of the world or the end of the universe, every fucking movie, and I'm getting one to two of them a year... Every year, and then I read today that they're planning up to twenty twenty five with these movies, and I'm like, you know, and and I, I mean, you know, I just, agree. Like DC should just stop doing it and let Marvel just do the superhero movies, and that way there's only like two or three a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. But also, somebody pointed out that like in the year nineteen fifty three or something, that a hundred and forty studio westerns were made. <laughs> yep. And and it's just like, yeah, I mean, I understand. Like, eventually, it's a cycle, right? Uh, this happened. This particular cycle happens to appeal to me. Uh, because the cycle it, appears to have went on long. Yeah, but, I mean, God, Westerns were made for, what, 40 years, really? Until yeah, they fell out of think, style? I don't think all those Westerns were getting, like, massive cinema releases. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, right, but if you looked at any, I mean, granted, most of the theaters only showed what a couple of movies, maybe in the in, in the theaters. But you were pretty much guaranteed one of them was going to be a western, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and and so, like, I'm not, I, I'm not saying that um, it's bad that people are are, you know, some people in particular are feeling a bit of, of fatigue with the abundance of these films. Mm. Um, and you know, it's like, yeah, I get it. I, th- but you know, as long as Marvel keeps making quality films, like I can accept the fact that just like in a lot of drama, I watch, Hey, the characters at the end of this, they're going to be okay. But the journey and the characters and, and, and the story itself is enough to get me emotionally involved. And at the end of it, I'm like, okay, I knew this is where it was going to end up, but that was totally worth the journey. Yeah. And and that's kind of where I am with them. I just always feel like it's like they reset the odometer <clears throat> at the end of all these movies, though. And I don't feel anything that happens in the movies ultimately pay off in the next movie, if you know what I mean. When there's... when 
and they've tried it a couple of times in interesting ways. I really liked um, what was the Shane Black one? Oh, Iron Man three was a I really was a good great, movie. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a great movie, and I thought it was a great movie because one of the things they pivoted into quite hard was the traumatic effect one of the superheroes would have after seeing the other side of the cosmos. You know, either this yeah. flash vision, you know, like this dystopian sort of army. I, I, I loved that idea, and I thought it was really well written, and it was really well acted. And I know a lot of people that were hardcore sort of Marvel fans didn't like it because it had witty, snappy banter, and, you know, it had a lot more comedy in it. Um... But you know, I like those things. I just, I just feel at times, my personal opinion, at times, is if you're gonna do like this huge overarching story and all the rest, that if things there needs to be a t- like, we're talking about Empire, right? Empire is its own movie. I mean, so Infinity Wars Part One and Part Two to me are like basically what I've said is, I think the story was written in such a way that it was one huge movie and they had to cut it down like Kill Bill One and Vol- sure. Volumes One and Two, right? So they had to yeah. you know, cut this cut this movie in half, which is fine because it's like forty odd fucking characters and most of them are A list stars. So I think yeah, that's cool. You can do that. Yeah, and there are moments but, watching it where it's like it's fucking crazy. All these people are in the same shot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just for the, as, the amount know, really, of yeah. money alone to put them all in the same. Anyway, I'm sorry, it just blew yeah, yeah. my mind. <laughs> you know, like I, I totally understand that. But you know, Empire Strikes Back is not. You know, Empire Strikes Back is not a you know first half of a second half of a movie. It's a standalone movie, and that to me is where it gets away from being like bleak, dark, uh, with that you know, like you said before, that slight hope. You know, it's slight level of optimism at the end of the movie, but it ends on this bittersweet thing because you you know what I mean? You're left on that and you you genuinely do not know what's going to happen in Return of the Jedi at all. No one could have predicted Ewoks, Bo. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what gives me a little bit of hope here is that especially since like Thor 2 and when that came out and people were like, that movie's fucking boring, everyone. <laughs> Like, nobody gives a shit about anything that happens in this movie. Um, And I I really think since that movie, Marvel's tried to respond to that with not making everything an end of the world. You know, like, Ant-Man wasn't that way. Spider-Man Homecoming wasn't that way. Uh, Even Thor Ragnarok. I mean, kind of, but it was mostly Asgard and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I think all of those, and, and it had, you know, real repercussions. Like, Asgard is no more in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And so I think the stuff that they're doing is these tonally different films that, you know, again, they're all set in the same universe, but um, that each one can be their own thing without the end result. Like, Doctor Strange, another good example where it, it's more esoteric. The like the final battle with the villain is kind of this weird time loop thing that's kind of cool. And and they're just trying to be a little more clever about it instead of just doing a monster of the week episode, which is what those movies kind of are. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, and then saving the big, you know, the fucking big load, Duncan, uh, for these Avengers movies and the big crossover movies. And I, you know, I, but I also trust that because they're willing to be a little risky with things like that of like, Hey, they could just do, you know, Thor two over and over again until just people stopped going. 
But mm-hmm. the, they really are, I think, trying to make different kinds of movies within their their Big Ten. I don't know if it's them making different kinds of movies or the people that they put in charge of the movies that are making different kinds of movies. I well, think yeah, but that's, that's that Kevin Feige, though. The EP of all of this is the guy yeah. who's, you know, like, yes, this person's vision needs to be behind this project. Like Ryan Coogler for Black Panther, like, go make this your movie, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've t- I, I'm not, I am not convinced that, I'm convinced that I, I would go and watch the movie and, you know, it's going to be a big spectacle, but I, I get, my, what I've got flashing in the back of my head is this is Twilight, you know what I mean, and that the, I had to unfortunately go and see the last Twilight movie in the cinema. Book. I'll I'll be curious. And, yeah, that's terrible. And I had to go and see it on my fucking honeymoon in Paris. Right? Oh. Of all the things, the most romantic city in the world, newly married, and my wife is like that. Oh, Twilight's playing at the cinema, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we're all in Paris, and she's like, but we could just go and see it. It's just a couple hours. We'll go and see it. And I sat and I watched it, and I will tell you this: the final movie, the final Twilight movie was for 50% of that movie fucking amazing. Like, in that, there's this big battle that happens with all these famous people, right? And people that you think should not die start dying, right? They all start dying. And it gets vicious and bloody and it's this fucking brutal war and all the rest. And do you know what happens, Bo? Uh, it was a dream. It was a fucking dream, right? Ooh. And... Right, that's that's exactly what they did. They did the, the pull the old dream card, right? <laughs> I, I did not know that. That truly was, I guess. I was thinking, how oh, it's could, a daydream. What? It's a daydream by one of the one of the guys is looking at one of the characters and has a vision of what will happen if they fight, which is ostensibly a forty minute battle sequence in the movie where like everyone dies. <laughs> like, um, and I was like, nah, this is a fuck it. This is how you go out. You go out and you're sword man. I'm loving this and all the rest. That is my th- that is my concern with we're watching a movie like this is that i get sucked into how dark the movie is and then they start undoing it uh in the well, next movie and then undo it beyond that and the movies that come afterwards i just can't be bothered with that at all i would just much rather if you're going to be dark just go dark if you're going to usher in this you know ultimate badass villain that's going to do all this you know and he's going to do that the next massive marvel event four years from now how am i how am i going to be invested or bothered about characters dying off if i know they can just be brought back i, I don't i you know it's, it's different when jason Voorhees rides from the grave you know what i mean he's a fucking like but if tommy jarvis had died and tommy jarvis was like back in the next movie fuck that movie fuck that movie bro all right well i'll, I'll be curious after you see this one i'll be i'll, I'll going to see it this cinema. my yeah. wife wants me to go next week and she's currently catching up with I think the three movies that she has to watch, because I told her, oh, you're not going in there having not watched all the movies in between because I will be damned if I have to listen to you say, well, how did so-and-so end up like this? And why is that done like this? And that guy's not Spider-Man. Um, well, what were the last three? It would have been amazing Spider-Man. It, you know what I mean? Doctor Strange, Black Panther. Seen that one. Not seen Black Panther. So that's the only one you haven't seen. Yeah, but Sp- we've not seen Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. That's quite good. Not seen Spider-Man Homecoming. She's not seen Thor Ragnarok. I've seen it. She didn't see that. Um, um, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a good popcorn movie. I don't think we've seen Civil War. Oh, that's pretty good. No. All right. Well, <laughs> There's anyway. two parts to that? Two parts no. to that. 
No, no, no. Well, it's just, yeah, it's just Civil War. Cool, right. Um, so yeah, all right. I have to watch them as well in the interim. So next week, when you hear me talking about the good and bad, there's a very good chance that things will be heavily leaning towards the bad. <laughs> it sounds like it's like the Grinch that stole the Avengers. Um, <laughs> My heart grew three sizes that day, Bo. I'll tell you what, like man. I, I walked out of that thing, and I and there was part of me that, I mean, acknowledge, fully acknowledging the idea of like, well, that you know, eventually this is they're going to have to reset the table somehow. Yeah, uh, but still, I was like, the fucking balls. <laughs> the, fu- the fucking balls. They, there's, there is there is a hard cut to credits that I was like, fucking a, well done, sir. Of the, um, of the new characters, like obviously Captain America is like an institution uh, in America, well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Man obviously is the the big the big draw. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, Black Panther's just kicking off, so it's done like amazing money, <laughs> right? It made a billion dollars, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, fucking insane, and, money. really good film, I have to say. Um, you know, and the like the, the Thor character who's kind of come into his own now, uh, he's become kind of a buffoon, which is is, is what makes that character fun now, is that yeah. he's a little bit stupid, he's a little bit of a bimbo of a superhero. I- <laughs> Oh, all these things, and obviously, we we know that certain actors are are probably not renewing contracts or have finally managed to worm out of having to be in any more of these movies. I mean, is there like another ream of three or four brand new characters to to keep those figures going up and up? Or like when someone like a Robert Downey Jr. says, "Right, enough." <laughs> like, yeah, I think, I, I, especially after Black Panther. I think that they can point to the character of T'Challa as like, oh, he's going to be kind of our our new Iron Man. Right. You know? And then we've got Captain Marvel right around the corner. And we've got Guardians. Like, and Guardians, they're going to ride a little bit. I, and, well, I think they should. I think Guardians of the Galaxy is the best thing out of the entire cinematic uh, universe. Doctor, by a country mile. Doctor Strange is going to be more of a thing. Um, I thought that movie was mediocre. I, I'll tell you, I wasn't crazy about the movie, but they use him really well in Infinity War. Yeah. It, like, he's a fun character in that movie because there is some him and Tony Stark back and forth of just yeah. like, like, I'm the motherfucking master of the mystic arts. Tony Stark. Yeah, I loved I loved these I loved these cameo in Ragnarok. I thought that was was very 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 it's, funny. It's it's more of that than it was the original because I was in the I, I was in the same boat you were. I wasn't crazy about Doctor Strange, but I thought the end was cool. Yeah, because uh, I was like, you gave you gave a Marvel movie to the dude that did Deliver Us from Evil, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It did was, you see that movie? <laughs> but you know, some of the visuals were really cool and trippy and all that, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm curious again, as a, a fan of the comics, this is like, you know, I like, like <laughs> it, it, it's when people really responded to like the force awakens and shit and, and last Jedi where it's just like, look, you know, Hey, ain't no way <laughs> that this is going to end badly for our characters at the end of the day. But having the dark middle chapter is always fun. That's when yeah. shit gets, get, gets kind of cool. And um, yeah. yeah, anyway, uh, that's been Marvel Chat with Duncan and Bo. Um, <laughs> Did you hear Ben Wheatley's being pouted for a superhero movie? Fuck, I'd love to see him do it. That that feels I, I like love, some Marvel shit. I would love to see that if it was Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley's vision, like 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 a like like a Troy Ra- Ragnar- uh, Thor Ragnarok 
sort of thing. That's very much the dude's name who I can't pronounce. Um, that's him through. Taika Waititi, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like watching Flight of the Concord. You know what I mean? Now you can hear his voice all the way right through that. And sometimes, uh, literally, he voices one of the characters in the film. Yeah. If, you, if you give me like the kill list of superhero movies, Bo, I will change my mind. I will. Be- <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you, I think uh, the universe. But this is another thing that I think Marvel has over the DC universe these days is just good old fashioned confidence. Like every time they roll the dice. Like, you know, they were rolling the dice on Guardians of the Galaxy. Nobody knew who the fuck that was. Yep. And and it, it hit big, and they rolled the fucking dice on Black Panther. Nobody knew for sure. And it, you know, it makes a billion dollars. And every time they game, or Thor Ragnarok, of like, let's just do something kind of goofy and weird. Mm. And it fucking did gangbusters. And so the, the lesson of that from... Uh, for Marvel Studios is, you know what? We can get a little crazy with this shit. People seem to be coming along for the ride and they haven't done anything real crazy yet, but the kind of the, the, uh, the landing lights are on to do something real fucking stupid, mm-hmm. like a Howard the Duck reboot or something like that. <laughs> I totally don't, that. I mean, don't count them out because they, they, again, they got money to burn right now. Like they could spend $50 million making a Howard the Duck movie that did $12 in box office and it would be a tax write-off. You know, it would just be like, whatever, if we tried. Uh, I've got a lot. That, that movie holds a special place in my heart from my childhood. It's not a good movie, but I must have seen it about a hundred times. Uh, I Yeah, I, I was never a big fan. I've, I've seen it a bunch of times, but I was never a big fan. It was one of those I had uh, recorded uh, onto VHS from HBO. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes you, you throw in that six hour SLP. <laughs> you got your Howard the Duck, you got your war games, you got your real genius all on one tape. That's a Saturday, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my God. Oh. Hey, uh, enough goofing off. Uh, let's take a quick break and uh, come back and talk about this uh, pretty, pretty fucking kick-ass episode of Westworld. Dense, dense EF in a great way. Yeah. All right. Uh, so hang tight, listeners. We will be right back. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. Tonight's episode is entitled Reunion. It is episode two of season two of Westworld. It is directed by Vincenzo Natale. The, you, you remember who he is? Uh, he did Cube. Yes. Ah, uh, he did a lot of Hannibal as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so written by uh, Christopher Nolan, not Christopher Nolan, Jonathan Nolan. <laughs> As Christopher Nolan as Jonathan Nolan for part of this episode. And he incepted his way inside. It was Inception. He yeah, he did. Top is still spinning, Duncan. 
Um, <laughs> spoilers for Inception. Um, then Carly, Carly Ray is the other writer. Uh, who? Uh, oh, has, I know her name. Yeah, she's done a bunch of uh, pretty good TV and is actually, I think, in charge of the Game of Thrones spinoff. Ah, right. Did she work on Mad Men? Uh, two seconds. And w- yes, she did. Uh, that's why it rings a bell. Yep. I love Mad Men. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, for uh, some for realsies people uh, <laughs> working on the, this particular episode, <laughs> um, <laughs> as opposed to you the mean, usual. <laughs> Westworld isn't taking the X-Files approach, is that what you're saying? I'm just, like, <laughs> looking out the door of the writer's room once they cobble a piece of shit script together and just being like, oh, hey, you want to direct this? I just clean up around here. That's fine. <laughs> here, have our ten million dollar budget for this episode. Um. <laughs> hey, it looks like they're spending. Like before we kick into this, I was joking like ten million dollars for. Like when I was like, you know, they'll be spending Game of Thrones money. I think they might be spending slightly more than Game of Thrones money on Westworld. It feels. So expensive, like so expensive. This show, um, it's insane. Uh, like it's it's insane how much this looks like the well polished, like the pinnacle of well polished TV. Just every set because we're jumping around all over the place in this episode. Just everything. Ah, oh, the attention to detail is like is mind blowing. How good this show looks. Um, which is why when I said earlier on renewed for a season three, I was like super excited because to me that means that someone in HBO land is like, yeah, our investment is safe <laughs> for this season. So unless everyone stops watching in the next seven episodes, uh, yeah, we, we can, we'll, we'll be back for a season three. Yeah, and uh, we are really uh, we're we're doing some some heavy exposition in this episode. But yeah. done in a pretty awesome way. Yeah, uh, yeah. So- I I dug ever like spoilers. Like I really enjoyed this episode. I thought this is what I wanted in my second episode. Like I wanted it like that first episode kicked off a lot of things where I was like that. How are we going to sustain this for ten episodes? And it's like that. Like whoa, 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 whoa Duncan, don't worry about that because we can. We got to go back in time. Dun, that dun, dun, dun. Da, 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 da. I was like, I was like, yeah, let's go back in time. I love that. And uh, back in time we go, Duncan, because someone called us chicken, and we're not standing <laughs> for that. Um, no, it's <laughs> uh, it is Bernard. It's who... not Bernard. Oh, that's right. Uh, it is. It it's is Arnold. A- Arnold uh, Pre Bernard. Or the Bernard uh, from before, PB. Um, Arnold, who has brought Dolores out of Westworld into a part of the space station which simulates our world, Duncan. Yeah. Earth. Yeah, yeah, it simulates Earth. That's what I meant. And and so uh, he's like, "Hey, Dolores, what do you think of all this? This is the real world." And she's like, well, it's, it's like there are stars all over the ground, Dr. Lecter. And- <laughs> the thing is, I, c- 
can't watch her do the Southern Belle accent now without thinking Jodie fucking Foster, bro. You're welcome. And, <laughs> and then she says, uh, what, what is it? Uh, I don't think... Uh, have you ever seen anything so full of splendor? Yeah, Dr. Lecter. And, <laughs> and Bernard is like, right? Hey, why don't you come uh, check out where I live? And so he takes her to his little, you know, kind of home garden area and uh, where his family kind of gives her some backstory of like, yeah, I've been working so much and I'm finally bringing the family out here. Uh, I I built this place uh, for my son and, uh, you know, he's still alive. So in the timeline of things, we're going back a minimum of 36 years. Yes. From present day. Like a, a minimum, maybe even just a little bit longer, considering the park doesn't exist at this point. Right. This seems to be a real prototype kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he he's given her a tour of the place, and the scene ends with uh, uh, with her saying, uh, I've never seen such, such splendor, Dr. Lecter. And... <laughs> And he's like, oh, right, she's a fucking robot. But he's kind of opining as they're talking about, like, you know, as you look out at this world, uh, I don't know if we deserve it. Yeah, his, his words are, you know, I like, I wish I could see the world through your eyes. You know, the way that, you know, the way you see it, like, the, the fact that she can make comment about, you know, car, car lights on the road resembling stars in the sky and this kind of poetry of the way that she speaks. But ultimately, you know, like, like he thinks that man is unfit to have what it has, which we know for, we, we know because we've seen season one uh, how that plays out. That's a thought that continues on with uh, Arnold after his son Charlie. Is it Charlie? Charles? That uh, sounds right. Yeah, after he dies, like that's the thought that keeps. You know, that's what he, dry, he gets dry, driven into depression, and that's the thought that he keeps coming back to is that man does not deserve the world that has, and maybe maybe these these hosts, these robots do. Um, but what we get a glimpse, and this is something that's echoed later in the episode, fucking perfectly, and like to the point where I was like, "Oh, you're just touching me in all the right places, Westworld." Um, is this idea of the the way that someone can be swept up and forget that they're talking to a, an automation, like a machine, um, and the the point that they realise is when they do something which is obvious to give them away and that's the repeat of that line and you see in his face he's like because that whole the whole journey through his future house and all the rest and you know the the, the world and i'm talking to you is this there's this great deal of whimsy and you know and hopefulness and looking forward to the future and all the rest and then it's like you say she repeats a line that she's already done and it's like it's it's the kind of it's the human equivalent of speaking to maybe someone with Alzheimer's and them starting to remember you and getting halfway through the conversation you think that maybe they're improving, maybe they remember something, and then they ask you who you are. And it's that kind of yeah, right. It kinda it resets the it resets the balance. Um I think it's a really cool way to start the episode, mostly because it gives us like Dolores says that she knows what's out there. She's she's seen the people world, 
And I was like, that, mm, have you? <laughs> like, that, and I was like, oh, no clue, you have. This yeah. episode addresses that straight away, right? <laughs> right. Uh, it turns out you're absolutely right, Dolores. You're not a crazy person or crazy robot. <laughs> robot. Uh, robot uh, just yet. Um, so, he, you know, finally he has to take her back as he's like, okay, yeah, you, you've you've ruined my illusion for the moment that you're the sentient being. And uh, then we we flash forward, Duncan, mm-hmm. uh, to what appears to be the night of the the beginning of the rebellion. Let's call it because that's how it's referred to throughout the show. Yes, and it's uh, a bunch of people in one of the uh, restoration outposts, uh, mm-hmm. n- number nineteen, I think it is. Anyway, doesn't matter. Really, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but. But it's a couple of dudes kind of chit-chatting, like a, a security guy and then one of the techs uh, doing some renovations on or repair on one of the robots. And th- suddenly a guest bursts in. And this is the one that got told to run at the end of the last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and which he does. Um, <laughs> right, right into uh, this outpost. And he's like... You gotta get me out of here. You gotta save me. And the security guy's like, "The f- f- fuck are you talking about?" And you know, the guy's like, "Well, you don't know. Like, you don't know what's going on out there. Like, the the hosts are fucking slaughtering everybody." And right on time, in comes uh, Dolores and and Teddy and uh, not Clementine. What's her name? No, so this is the woman, right? I I struggled last week to work out who this was. This is the one that, and because they give you a flashback at the start of this episode, thank fuck, like a previously on Westworld. This is the right. This is the woman. We're going to see her later on, by the way. Um, but this is the woman who, at the very beginning in the first episode of Westworld, is the host that, like William, meets to get dressed and get the gun. Right. And uh, she is uh, what? Didn't she play another role somewhere in she in did, season I, one? I think she, she was did. one of the girls at the at the house at the yes. uh, the saloon or something. Yeah, she's uh, one of the Bordello women, um, and she's also Bordello at women. <laughs> Suppose ringtone. Uh, <laughs> it's my my favorite ELO song. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, but isn't she the? I might be wrong. She is she the host that lures? Is she the host that we see later on? Um, as the representative. Yes. Yes. Right. That's fine. Then right, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. So she she bursts in. She's been capping. She'd been popping a cap in some people's asses already, um, because she's now got this glorious leader in Dolores, who's dragging a still, still very bewildered, out of his depth, doesn't know what the fuck's going on, and now you've just dragged me into a future station, Teddy. Um, he's he's like James Masters, and this is so, so great. In this show, by the way, he just looks clueless for most of it. Yeah, there, there's a really good moment. Uh... Coming up. All right. So first, like they bust in, and we're we're kind of chit chatting uh, with one of the guests. You know, they they take they take charge of the room pretty fast, Duncan. No no fucking around here. And uh, the theme of this episode, as we'll soon learn, 
is the notion of Westworld being a place where uh, people came to to hide from God, you know? Yeah, and, oh, the biblical references are rife in this episode, by the way. Uh, well, point them out, because you're smarter than me about that stuff. And, <laughs> and But it, but it's um, Dolores talking about, again, kind of opining a bit, uh, about, you know, you, you people came here because you wanted to do something without judgment. Mm-hmm. And now it's our turn. Yeah. And there's no one here to judge us for what we're about to do to you. And we're starting to see Dolores becoming kind of the villain in a lot of ways. Like in mm-hmm. the first season, we were on the sort of on the side of the host, right? They were like, yeah, it, it sucks that you're just constantly getting raped and murdered and, and forced to do it all over again. Even worse, if you're remembering it all. And now that they have gained sentience, though, it's sort of like you have become you. The hosts have become what they beheld and mm-hmm. are becoming the monsters that the humans were. Yeah. Um, it's a real eye for an eye. Speaking of the Bible, <laughs> Duncan. Kind of situation. And, <laughs> and <laughs> the show is so smart. Um <laughs> And so we we go to another flashback, mm-hmm. which is uh, Jimmy Simpson, aka William, the Man in Black, as a young man, um, along with his brother-in-law. Uh, what's his name? Um, and begins with an L, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I want to say Lawrence because he's in this, and I, I forget. Um, yeah, I'll figure it out here in a second. But anyway, they're having a, a big. Um, a, a big business dinner, right? Where yeah. so once again, like put, to put the because we jump Logan, around. There's so sorry. many time frames. Yeah, well, uh, Logan. Yeah, there's so many time frames running on this one. This flashback is pre their journey into Westworld. Right. It's it's well, it's pre kind of Westworld. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it, so this is probably taking place. You would think somewhere around the neighborhood of the first scene. I would agree, yeah. In in the ballpark of and and, and so William uh Logan is is the brother in law and he's like he's the guy who's kind of picking all the investments. William is still his subordinate. Yeah. And uh at one point William is just like, Hey, I'm I'm getting out of here. You you're gonna make whatever decision you make. I'm done. Yeah, but we also get we also get confirmation that Logan's surname is actually Delos. Right. So we didn't get in that previous one. So that we knew that there was a Delos firm, but we now know that, you know, that's that's his family business. It's not just because we knew he worked for the business, but um the family is named after the business. So uh oh, sorry, the business named after the family. So um because that makes more sense than <laughs> the, the the family being named after the business. Yeah, my name is Duncan Amazon. <laughs> God damn it, that's what I was going to say. Uh, get out of my head, McLeish! Uh, so, so yeah, William fu- fucks off, and Logan is there for the meeting, and in walks the host that we mentioned earlier, uh, who we saw sticking up the restoration outpost with uh, Dolores a minute ago. Yeah, and um, another dude who is, you know, presumably the head of the Argo project. Uh, Argo, 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 fuck yourself, Duncan. 
No, Argo. Oh. Argo. Come on, Argo. Knots. Yes. What did the Argonauts do? They voyaged on the sea in search <laughs> of the fleece. <laughs> like, uh, the, like there was, there's a particular famous fable to do with the, the Argonauts. Not particularly just Argonauts, but um, people from that part to do with a, a certain <clears throat> Trojan horse. Ah, that feels vessel, like a bit a, of a reach, but okay. Well, a vessel that was built um, for potential entertainment as a gift, which bore um, something nasty inside, which tried to take over and slaughter everyone, Bo, um, i.e. Westworld. Ah, I thought you were going to say, like, Venom uh, no. from the comics. <laughs> um. No, I, I was like, Westworld? I, I, I'm, I would not be surprised if we find out during the run of it because this is the name of the business before this is the name of the startup business that we basically have from uh, ford and arnold this is their business and they happen to have named it in a particular way which to me feels like it's not accidental it kind of feels like that's a deliberate choice from a writing point of view yeah yeah you're you're probably right and i'm i'm very dim um <laughs> I'm just go. I'm swinging for the fences with this season. Though, I, I get it. Everything's a clue. Sure, sure. I that's how you go crazy. Um, but <laughs> not crazy, Bo. I'm not crazy. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so, uh, so there. Uh, this host and 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 the the rep are like, hey, we want to, you know, in we want you to invest in us because we are beyond AR and VR and all that stuff. Like, yeah. what you see is going to blow your fucking mind, man. Come with <laughs> us. And it's he's, groovy. It's a real groovy project. Yeah, it's 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 a real happening, man. <laughs> it's a real robot happening we got on our hands here. We got Robot Buffalo Springfield playing. Yep, a robot fondue. We've got the Robot <laughs> Plastic Ono Band. No robot John Lennon, just the Plastic Ono band. <laughs> Sounds fucking awful. <laughs> what fresh hell is this? <laughs> right. We got robot Smash Mouth. <laughs> we got robot Nickelback. Oh, no. Look at this photograph. No. The the host of the show is robot Martin Shkreli. <laughs> <laughs> that permanent smile on his face <laughs> right you're like why did you why did any of this seem like a good idea <laughs> not like this <laughs> not like this uh, <laughs> the thing I love about this scene as well like because like obviously we know that she's a host right so the assumption is the dude that's with her is the human right like uh, the, the show's trying to give us the old dipsy doodle yeah, and it because, did very well in this, by the way, because yeah. it had me hook, line, and sinker. I was like, what? So, so they invite Logan. They're like, hey, we got a little party happening. Uh, why don't you come with us? And he goes up there, and they're like, uh, you know, the dude says, hey, one of the – doesn't he actually doesn't tell him. It's just Logan assumes someone in the room is a robot. Mm-hmm. And uh, – and he's like, I, I'll I'll figure out which one. And like, you're not as smart as you think you are. And of course, he goes around like sniffing them and all kinds of weird shit. 
And then uh, the host, the host that we know of, the hostess with the mostess, she, sorry, she says, uh, <laughs> Who are you right now? I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Duncan. So she says, um, like, hey, it's actually everybody by way of, you know, everyone else freezing completely. And he's well, he just like, it's her. He right. thinks it's her. He turns around and he's she's standing in a kind of un well, it's not an unnatural position, but it's a weird position. And he walks up and he starts chanting to the guy, going, Are "You fucking serious? Is she the? She's the robot? And this is phenomenal. And this is like tech that I've never seen. And this we are so far ahead of what we should be. Um, it's what you say. You're like where we should be, and all these sort of things. And we're like that. Obviously, she's the host. And then she does like a kind of weird kind of almost like a bewitched wiggle of the nose. and then everyone fucking freezes including the dude and we're like what and she's like she's like yeah that's right (laughs) everyone and she's like yeah uh i'm a fully functional android sir (laughs) i'm mr data if you're in the mood for getting down that's kind of what we do and and he's like this is amazing like and he has a great line where he's like we're not here yet you know yeah and they're like, yeah, we're here. We're all around you. And then there's a really interesting scene following this where after we don't get the, the fucking scene. Uh, surprising Westworld, really. But yeah. <laughs> um, but, we but the, the, yeah, this is a cool juxtaposition scene. Like, I love it. Yeah, we, we get a, a glimpse of the next morning when the hostess is kind of climbing out of bed. And there's just a pile of fucked hosts laying around the, the edges of that bed where Logan just went fucking bananas for a night. <laughs> Women, men, didn't matter. Who knew who was grabbing what? It was just one big fuck pit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the hostess is like waking up while Logan is still asleep and all the other hosts are just passing out from all the fucking that went on. And, <laughs> and uh, Dolores passes by and there's kind of this look exchange between Dolores and the, and the other hostess of like, this is fucked up. Right. I mean, it's kind of gross. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which like you, we see that scene. Then the very next scene is said host who has been sleeping with Logan plunging a fucking knife. Like, and yeah, did so. It's like you know, you you penetrated me. Now I penetrate you. Yeah, like, like right, right. and it's just. I, I was watching this, going, "Oh, you, 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 you just know how to get me going, Westworld. You just, yeah, you, you, you are so confident in this season. You are like fucking swinging that big old fucking dick about the place. Just like look, look at it." Look at it! Touch it! Don't be afraid of it. It's your friend. <laughs> I call it Lolly. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, there's a really good Teddy moment here. Finally, <laughs> that's not. Fair. No, no. But he's just <laughs> a really good Teddy moment where he has to face the. He gets the, woke. He gets. <laughs> is that what the kids call woke? Uh huh. Yeah. That, that's. It's a reference to Westworld. Um, but Teddy, Teddy gets woke is kind of the name of this episode in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's also the name of my really bad porno. I, I've got an EDM record coming out, uh, with the same title. So maybe we could soundtrack that. Um, I like where we're going with this. <laughs> so 
to to get Teddy woke, Dolores is, goes to the tech and it is like, show him, show him why we're here. You know, ask Teddy, ask him why we're here. And Teddy's like, all right, why are we here? I guess. And he's like, well, uh, if I, I, you know, it's not, I don't know. And then Dolores is like, well, give him his memories. Let him remember everything. Yep. And so the tech does, which is stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, what we've learned about Westworld is the techs aren't that clever. No, the techs are just doing a job. They're kind of the, you know, the the Valvoline oil change place of Westworld, <laughs> of just like check on check these stats, make sure they're cool, pull out the bullets, patch them up, get them back uh, on the field, mm-hmm. and uh, so Teddy now starts to like see pictures of himself that are just all fucked up. And he's just like, why did, why did they do this? And then he, he grabs the tech and is, you know, really giving him the business about to kill him. And he's like, why? And the tech goes for fun. We did it for fun. It was always just for fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, Teddy is a little pissed now. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the best answer. Maybe lie to him. Maybe see, maybe not fun. Maybe fun is not the word to use while a robot has your throat, your trachea in his hand, and the power to crush it. Yeah, it's it's a real bad move. And then Teddy, <laughs> Teddy is like, "What is this place?" And <laughs> um, yeah, Teddy, Teddy, <laughs> Teddy totally becomes Alex Jones in this. He's like, so you're telling me that there's there's a cabal with the vampire pedophiles, the Illuminati, and the lizard people who have constructed a monolith on the planet Mars who are coming down here to ruin everything and turn the friggin' frogs gay. I'm not a robot. You're a robot. <laughs> Trust the liberal media to... Do- <laughs> like- <laughs> I got blood running through these veins. Human blood, not robot blood. <laughs> I'll claw the eyes out of a pigeon and eat its bowels. I'm a human. I like to eat. I like to fight. (laughs) Alex Jones. (laughs) Uh, What I loved about that scene is like Teddy must have died, I think, on screen about 20 times in season one. And I got the feeling that what we were just looking at was his highlight reel. (laughs) Right. It was his in memoriam, heavily edited. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will I was remember through. you. I was, going, I was going through all of them, and, and the was like memories, <laughs> like the corners of my mind. Here's where you're decapitated. This is where a guy stabbed your balls until you died. Misty water colored memories <laughs> of the way we were shoved off a cliff. That was fun. Um, Scattered pictures. <laughs> this one just good old fashioned set on fire. Right the smiles we left behind. Fourth of July, that one. <laughs> that might be my favorite thing we've ever done. <laughs> so, oh. so we we leave Dolores and woke Teddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but remember when I said like uh, I had feelings that maybe our entire conversations about Westworld this season might be straight? 
that fear is now alleviated. It's yep. gone, Bo. It's off my shoulders. I'm feeling like we're finding our groove. Stella got our groove back, Bo. Stella got our groove uh, back. And also look for the official Woke Teddy t-shirt on the Legion merch page. <laughs> Which might happen because I now own and have sent Bo a picture of me wearing the Brimley Town t-shirt. So yeah, Woke Teddy might happen. Yeah. Alex Jones as Teddy. Mm. Yeah. All and, right. Uh, We'll, we'll have to, we have to we have to do a play on Infowars. I don't know how we do it. Well, but we'll, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, so maybe my favorite episode of the episode comes next. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I say episode of the episode? You my did, favorite. You, scene, you did. My favorite sort of scene of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look like anything at all. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that doesn't look like any mistake at all. So. Uh, William, a.k.a. the man in black, a.k.a. Ed Harris in this scene, um, this is the post-rebellion uprising kind of shit. And William is now out in the park going about his business uh, looking for the game that Robert Ford said would find him. Yes. And he runs across uh, his old pal Lawrence, the bandit, Which made me smile so much because I love Lawrence. I thought Lawrence was great in the last season and I had a sinking feeling we might never see him again and the writers of the show were like, well, fuck you, Duncan. Here he's here. Yeah, I was real pleased to see that as well. And <laughs> It's not doing well, though, boy. He is. And we discover uh, poor Lawrence hung upside down from the, uh, the, the limb of a tree. His head poised over an anthill uh and a couple of uh uh, uh ranchers one presumes uh <laughs> who who Lawrence was trying to liberate some horses from have caught up with Lawrence and are now exacting their revenge for him being a horse thief I believe this is what the Americans call frontier justice No 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 that's due process Oh right that's yeah. awesome thank Frontier you, justice right. is much quicker um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but for in old West terms, he had uh, both a full court appearance and an appeal uh, oh. on on front on the frontier. And he's in the, he's in the middle of getting what what I like to call a Texan facial, uh, which is lots of fire ants about to crawl all over your face. Uh, yeah, and and that leads to nicknames like Ant Face, Ant Face, Crawly Crawly, Ant Face. <laughs> And six-legged Lawrence, and nobody wants that. (laughs) (laughs) So right on time, Ed Harris comes along and is like, Lawrence, you got an ant face. And... And well, you the ant face now. <laughs> right. Oh, squirm. Um, you the one face now. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the William uh, shows up and uh, uh, shoots the uh, banditos, uh, <laughs> what, what are holding Lawrence hostage. After telling them that he really can't be bothered conversing with them. <laughs> Just not have time. <laughs> yeah. And... and <laughs> And so he shoots them down and is in the process of freeing Lawrence when one of the guys that he just shot gets up and attacks him, 
and like the his gun goes flying and uh he is trying to get Lawrence to swing on the rope that his feet are still tied to back far enough to get the gun to shoot the guy who is now trying to stab him and is lying on top of him and it's a really good kind of action moment for this episode yeah and uh William finally gets his his gun free and and shoots the uh the host in the head and Lawrence was of no use at all uh <laughs> unfortunately in fact when when he's asking Lawrence to shoot him he's like get that gun you ingrate cuz he had just you know freed his hands at least before getting attacked and um so uh there's a great line here where Lawrence is like I I thought he was dead and Ed Harris says well that ain't what it used to be Lawrence yeah. it's a really good moment and he but he's also like, as soon as he kills him once again like like William's elated and that this struggle that he almost died in, it's like we said last week, his dick is so hard right now. Oh, yeah, he <laughs> all the blood is going there. He can't wear a cod piece or anything, it's just he has never been this erect for this long without consulting a doctor. Because <laughs> he doesn't like he is elated, not because he saved his life, but he is actually legitimately saved his life. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's this what he always wanted. The stakes are for real, and he almost got got murdered by this host, and instead uh, came out on top. And he's feeling the rush of that. Yeah, there is kind of a laugh when he's like, "Oh fuck, this is all right." God, I'm so hard. And <laughs> Lawrence, <I> see this. <laughs> Um, but he, he's telling, <laughs> he tells Lawrence that like, Hey, there's, uh, there, there's a rebellion coming like this rebellion that you thought you were part of all along. That's all bullshit. Hmm. And, uh, it takes him to a saloon where by the way, there is a hidden, uh, first aid kit. Like it's a fucking video game. Yeah. Plus this is a saloon that we, these two characters were in, in the previous season. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. pretty much replicate the you know a scene which we've already seen which i think is kind of awesome because it reminds you that they are ostensibly in a game yeah and also they're kind they're kind of buddies you know yeah and because he's like even if you don't remember this like you and i have a little bit of a history and um he he says look what's coming is they're gonna burn this place to the fucking ground and with everybody in it and I believe that there is an opportunity here to, with what little time we have left, he says, we've got a chance to see what we're really made of and get a glimpse of the men that we could be. Yeah. And it's a great speech as he's digging with his, you know, biggest Bowie knife, uh, a bullet out of his arm and patching himself up. Uh, and he's just like, look, um, you know, you can come with me and, and and do something truly meaningful or you're just going to die like everyone. Like, we're all going to die. They're, that's done and done. Yeah. And uh, But then they have this conversation about God. And he says, do you believe in God, Lawrence? Did uh, The way he puts it is, did Ford uh, burden you with that particular affliction? And uh, he says, you know, I don't think I've ever given it much thought. 
And I guess uh, the idea that you just go to some terrible place when you die, uh, I always thought that was kind of bullshit. <laughs> and William is like, you're 100% right, uh, probably. But he was like, the the reason this whole world exists is because there are enough people on the outside of this thing that do believe somebody's always watching. Yeah. But here, this is where people came because God wasn't watching. That that they could come and live out all their sins and without any sort of judgment, except, you know, he kind of teases here, we we were watching. Yeah, which is the which is what we have were teased in season one about this them trying to get what they classed as um you know kind of Ford's property intellectual property off and which what we see what we saw in the previous episode which this was mining of data uh, which like I mean I don't, I don't know when a lot of this was filmed but could there be a better time for a sci-fi TV show to exist just now talking about you know large corporate owners owning some sort of interactive playground that people can not be themselves and say certain things and do certain things while they harvest their data. <laughs> Could there be a better time like that? This is like, this is like, this is Facebook, isn't it? Really? It's ripped from the headlines, Duncan. That's what Westworld is, even though it was probably filmed like a year ago. It's uh, so, so prescient. I, I, I was watching just going, like they must be like see when that stuff with Cambridge Analytica was, was unfolding, like Jonathan Noel must have been sitting there going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> my nipples are tingling. Oh. Yes, Wait. yes. <laughs> more, more. Wait one second. I'm not Jonathan. I'm Chris. Oh. Yeah, I'm. God, I'm almost as hard as William in this show. <laughs> it's constantly hard, but yeah. So he- hard. Yeah, he and and he gives this big spiel to Lawrence about how like you know, uh, I I'm gonna go to the the gates of heaven in this world and appeal the verdict that's been passed, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna burn this whole place to the ground, <laughs> burn this motherfucker down. Uh, we don't need no water, he says to Lawrence. <laughs> Let the motherfucker burn. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I, I love once again there, so some biblical imagery being kind of tantalizingly diced about here. Some direct references to God. Um, yeah, and I think terrible. doesn't he say like is that where you're going to find Robert Ford? Is that God? And I think he yeah. says, "Oh no, he doesn't have that honor. He, he's yes. not God." Mm-hmm. Um. I, I I presume he is talking about Albert. Arnold. Arnold. What did I say? <laughs> Albert. What did you say? Arnold. I've heard it both ways. Um, <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> potato, potato. Um, Let's call the whole thing off, not good. I, I use a uh, kind of a moving quilt, right? Like, you know, something you wrap around TVs and furniture and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, over the doorway in my office to help, uh, you know, dull the sound so it doesn't get echoey and whatnot. But as a result, it uh, it keeps it real warm in here. 
And also, it, every time I slip in, because it's like I'm I'm literally going behind a kind of a curtain. Mm-hmm. It's like I feel like I'm doing something dirty. <laughs> I'm up to something no good. So, hey, speaking of burning, Duncan, mm. that burning sensation that uh, our security guy feels on his face is the <laughs> liquid skin. That they're yeah. using, uh, by they I mean Dolores and Teddy and the hostess, uh, whose name that we can never remember, um, are yeah. are torturing this uh, the security dude. It's the worst bukkake ever, bro. <laughs> yeah, it is just like, hey, this molten latex skin or whatever, we're going to dump your face into it. And then, like, hey, how many people are coming for us? And he says, well, there's like six or eight hundred and then Dolores is like, okay, well, what's their plan? And he's like, I don't know. And they duck his face again. <laughs> and he's like, ah! Okay. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's six or eight hundred. And she's like, okay, well, uh, what's the plan? And he's like, I'll never talk, Dolores. <laughs> you'll never, you'll never get me to reveal that information. Okay, they're going to go sector by sector. Mm-hmm. And they're going to kill every fucking host they find. And then they're going to go to a rally point. And she's like, where's that rally point, Dr. Lecter? And he's, <laughs> he's like, now that is one piece of information you will never, ever get for me. You can kill me first, no matter how much you dunk my... <laughs> Okay, it's right here. This one, right here on the mat. Just stop ducking my face and the stuff. And <laughs> and <laughs> anyway, then he uh, Teddy is like, "Hey, we're we're running an army out there." <laughs> well, you, you notice he's like, "There's only fifty of us max, and fifty of us are not taking down eight hundred of them." And you know that's when Dolores calls him a pussy. <laughs> and, no, she doesn't. She, she she's like that. She's like, well, you know, well, well, let's get an army. And the first thing she does is she looks at this kind of fallen general, who is you know he's been shot up pretty bad. One of the Confederados. Yeah, grabs a tech assistant dude and says like that, bring him back. Um. So yeah. So she's already thinking, well, you know, there may be only 50 of us alive just now, but there's a whole hell of a lot of bodies here that can be brought back. Right. So she uh, is going to play Jesus. Well, this is, this is yeah, once again, this is her, like, oh, the, the next scene with the, the we're going to get to. Um, but, yeah, the All next right. scene with Dolores right after this is, like, really? <laughs> On the nose, much West world, um, but yeah, so she's like, she's gonna get this guy brought back, and uh, one with a symbol go and do some recruiting. Yeah, she uh, it turns out it's gonna need an army, uh, potentially of me. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> it's your Bjork reference of the day for yep. Duncan and Bo go to Westworld. Remember, for all your eccentric Icelandic music needs, try Bjork. It's oh so quiet. It's oh so still. 
you're all alone and so peaceful until all right, uh, that was th- my best Bjork. <laughs> Thanks. You put your best Bjork forward. Um, <laughs> That's our final break of the evening. Um, <laughs> so, so we cut uh, back in time, and um, it's uh, William who has now. This this is later in the chronology. Than when uh, we had Logan, you know, kind of eyeballing the uh, the hosts in the, in yeah. the business meeting. This is them after after their trip in the Westworld. This is after season one. Yeah. So this are well the events of season one. Yes, <laughs> one they, yeah. yeah. We never know. And <laughs> and then uh, William is now kind of the becoming the star of, of of the company. Now that Logan has become kind of a fuck up. Uh, we'll see more of that later, mm-hmm. and and he's there. Uh, William is there with his father-in-law. Oh, Bo, welcome to the show. Uh, welcome who, to the show. Oh, do it, do it slowly. Say it slowly. Say it slowly. Peter Mullen oh. is playing James Delos. See when Peter Mullen walked off the fucking helicopter, I stood up. I literally stood up and slow clapped. I was like that. Yes, this is what this show fucking needs. Peter Mullen, and please tell me you have your broad Scottish accent. Oh, you do? Oh, Westworld, you treat me so dirty. It's so dirty. it's a really cool... I like this scene a lot, too. It, it's it, William, who is working for Delos, working for James Delos, uh, is sort of taking the role that Logan had, James Delos, uh, and they helicopter into Westworld and put, hit the pause button on all the, the robots who are in the middle of the scene that we saw at the beginning of Westworld with mm-hmm. Dolores and Teddy and the, the can of uh, peas or whatever the fuck that uh, went Pass rolling. The Dolores! <laughs> Pass the peas! And <laughs> I've, so got, I've, got a, I've got all the peas you need right here, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> Dr. Lecter. Um, but yeah, so they're 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 landing in Westworld because William is kind of making the pitch like this is a good investment, and James Delos is not convinced of this. No, because James Delos is Peter Mullen, and Peter Mullen is terrifying. Right, <laughs> like in any role, Peter Mullen is instant. When Peter Mullen looks at you, you kind of shit yourself a little bit. Your asshole instantly sweats, like immediately sweats, because he is he is fucking terrifying, and. The thing about like James is that James like out and out says what we once again heard briefly in the in the previous season, which is this conversation that Westworld is hemorrhaging money. It's got maybe two, three years left, if that. Um Dallas at this point are um minority shareholders. So they haven't become like the you know, the the all seeing eye you know, overlooking and financing the entire park. That's not happened. That's essentially what William's trying to do here is make that pitch to James. And James is just not interested. He doesn't see the the fascination or the long-term financial gain of a park which he sees as being a novelty. It's, you know, like people will get disinterested with this novelty 
very quickly and when they do what do you actually have left and that's where William makes the pitch ball yeah and I mean yeah James is like we're we're throwing good money after bad here Mm -hmm. Uh, this is stupid and William says look this is the only place in the world where you can come to do one thing and that's to find out who you really are Mm -hmm. and we're gonna tell everyone no one's looking so you can act out all your worst behaviors. And as far as they know, nobody's paying attention. Nobody's judging. And he says, if you can't see the business value in that, you're not the man I thought you were. Literally what Zuckerberg said to Congress. Yes. Word for word. It's literally what he said. And that's what we'll tell him. And, and, uh, James Dello says, you're a cheeky little cunt, don't you? Yeah, I loved that. Loved that. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Have the Scotsman on your show. Yes, yes. You can say the word cunt. Yeah. And uh, Aren't you a cheeky little cunt? And I was oh, like, oh, yes. N- not to pat I, myself on the back, that might have been my best Scottish accent ever. What's your best Scottish impression ever? So much so that my dick is so hard right now, Bo. Speaking of William... Um, he says, uh, James Ellis tells him like, no, there's not a man alive would talk to me like that. I don't know where. Yeah. (laughs) Went went pirate on it. And, uh, (laughs) it's the story of my life, Duncan. And (laughs) that's why I'll never be a William. (laughs) What? (laughs) The robots can can actually fight me on their oh oh. <laughs> I need to get out of the park. <laughs> My story would be much shorter. Bo's premature journey in West. <laughs> premature uh, hostulation. Do you have Westworld directile function? Um, (laughs) I I have the uh, Westworld pun thesaurus. That's what I'm (laughs) using as my my main reference source tonight. Um, But but yeah, it's one of those like, you know, no no one's talked to me like that in 30 years. Mm -hmm. I like it. My dick is so hard right now. Yeah, it's way better when you do it. <laughs> and so uh, he's like, all right, so now I'm listening. I'm actually listening to you. Tell me what your plan is. Mm-hmm. And it is a dirty, filthy plan. Anyway. Yeah, we get we get glimpses later on. I think there was a couple of things mentioned as kind of almost throwaway comments, which are worth maybe scrutinizing a bit more when we come to them, in particular the next scene that we have our buddy James in. Yeah. So uh, we leave them to check back in with Dolores and Teddy at all. And they have uh, one of the technicians, um, all Planet of the Apes, tied to the back of their horse. (laughs) And um, then out out of the darkness, they hear someone coming. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, Maeve and Hector. Yeah. So we basically have two powerful 
headstrong, visionary women and their male backup. Yeah, kind of their sidekicks. It's like which you know. I kind of love. It's such a it's, it's such a kind of transgressive thing to do, um, especially in westerns. Um, and I love it. I am one hundred percent in this. Give me more. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I mean, they're the the best characters I think of uh, last season, and mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool to see him showing up. And and Maeve is once more awesome here. Yeah, she's like because Dolores is so headstrong in what she thinks is right. Well, and, and what Maeve is pointing out here, because uh, you know Dolores is sort of making the case that you know, hey, we've got we've got to stand up and fight. They're never going to let us be free, mm-hmm. and and so the only way is you know to to fight back. And uh, Maeve says revenge is just a different prayer at their altar, da- darling. Mm-hmm. And I'm well off my knees. Such a great line. Oh, fucking Maeve. And <laughs> but she's basically like, look, if, if you, I don't want part of your war because you're all you're doing is playing the other side of the role that they've cast for you. Yeah. And and Maeve is like, I'm throwing off all the shackles of this park and all its trappings. I'm gonna get what I came here for, and I'm getting the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking Hector with me. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm not yeah. kid for sure. Hector, maybe. Yeah. Um. And Dolores is like, I'm totally taking Teddy, regardless what that final shot in the previous episode was. You know, where we saw him floating face down in the water, dead. Hey, I'm totally taking Teddy with me. Teddy, you can trust me totally. You know that, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure the lambs don't scream for you, Teddy. <laughs> um. And- yeah. And so I, I like the conversation here, though, that the philosophical implications of like her saying, you know, to Teddy, like, do you feel free right now? Do mm-hmm. you feel like your path is your own making? Because that's true freedom. It's not it's not just reacting to what's happened to you and, and been done to you. And and as she said, you know, ch- charting your life uh, through vengeance. Mm-hmm. It's being able to say fuck all of this, and and that's where Maeve is, and I respect that a lot. Oh yeah, I think we have these two uh, very powerful characters in in the the kind of host world, um, who both have um, on definitely more Maeve than um, Dolores, but have an idea of self. You know, they're you know. They, they are the antithesis of, um, you know, artificial intelligence, completely thinking for themselves, not not reacting based on the programming they have. Well, and that's where it gets interesting because, to me, Maeve very much is. Like, the fact that she can verbalise all that and even to the point of saying, listen, Dolores, you know, you are essentially just doing exactly what they would do. You know, you're 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 not evolved. You're not you're 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 behaving like them, and that's not the way to do things. But I'm not going to force you to do any other way. You've got to kind of come to that realization yourself, because uh, that's kind of what I had to do. And it's almost like once again, kind of going back to the kind of biblical thing or, or religion in general. It's almost like, like the birth of two different religions, two different yeah. ideologies within the host environment. Um. That we're seeing here, and we, it's, it's once again, it's no accident that we have 
Um, we have on one side, like a, like a group of people, and we have the other, and you know they, they've got you know, the leaders have their disciples. Um, and are going in different directions in the park as well. One's going further in and one's going further out. Um, they both have their their roles. They both know what they're doing, but they have this kind of idea, this ideology of what they're wanting to follow. I find that hugely fascinating. And we spent so much time focusing on Dolores being the, you know, the maybe the hero of the show last season that. You know, we were like, Mav's a really good, that's a really, Mav's got this really good story and it's, it's, it's all right. And I'm now at that stage now where I'm thinking, well, maybe Dolores is going to be the, you know, one of the, the bads in this. And maybe it's Mav that's going to be our hero, Bo. And I am 100% cool with that. I, I totally agree. And I think you may be correct. I mean, she is the one who is more Zen for sure, uh, to use mm-hmm. your religious analogy. Mm-hmm. And it's Dolores who's the evangelist, you know. It's you yep. you you ought to believe what I believe. It's not but but you know, Maeve does th- sort of challenge her and say, if you truly believe in the freedom that you're fighting for, you're not gonna give me any shit when I when me and my group decide to go past you. Yep. And and that's sort of the tense denouement of this scene is just that they decide to part ways Mm -hmm. uh but it's really interesting it's a really cool scene kind of in the middle of the show that it just hints at things to come i think Mm -hmm. um it's the only time we we get to really see uh, mav in this episode as well as like um as you know as this quick it's just to remind you they're on their journey and in the background, we had our, our buddy, the little writer dude, all dressed in cowboy gear. He doesn't get a word or anything, but he's there. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> so like, I really like that. Um, a, a kind of powerful scene. I, once again, I, I, as the, the, name of the, <clears throat> the name of the episode is Reunion. And we're getting a lot of characters kind of reuniting with people from the first season uh, in one capacity or other, whether it's William, um, you're catching up with Lawrence. Or, you know, younger William catching up with Dolores or, you know, uh, uh, Maeve and, you know, Dolores catching up with each other. All these characters are are meeting each other in this episode as the kind of the kind of catalyst for all these new journeys that they're all on. Because by the end of this episode, we've got three distinct journeys happening within the park um, that we're following. And I I kind of think you know, this episode is just kind of solidifying the roots of that, of where this season's going to go. Yeah, I, I think maybe the next episode we're going to start to see a little more thrust, maybe. Like, not yeah. that there's, I, I was bored by this episode, but it is a lot of, okay, let, let's get the board set up more thoroughly where we have, you know, Maeve and her group, we have Dolores and her group, and we have William, and they're all looking for this different shit. Yes. Um, and speaking of Dolores and Teddy, uh, they continue on because uh, what they did is, you know, when they they resurrected the, uh, you know, shot up leader of the uh, con- Confederados, um, they basically turned him loose and were like, hey, go tell your people we're coming. And he shows up at the four or whatever. Uh, the the Mead Hall is what it looks like. And... Uh, 
You mean the Last Supper? Because that's what that scene looks like. Oh the walk my in. god, yes. Come on, dude. It's like literally pouring out this episode. They walk in the door and there's an elongated table with a grip on. Like, it is, I'm, I was watching it going, fuck me. Like, this episode is it just, it's, it's, it's just every the attention to detail, boy, is dripping out it, and I love it so much. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, we have the Last Supper that Dolores and 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 Teddy and crew walk in on, mm-hmm. and uh, we have the Dunleavy is the guy they resurrected. It's his second in command that they're addressing, played by a a, a fairly famous. I know this guy's face. Yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. And we saw him earlier as well. He was he was the when Logan was in the party, um, you know, where he was walking by. He was the first male host that walked past, and the two of them exchanged a glimpse at each other. So he's a, like a he's a host that's been around for a while. Yeah, uh, eh, I was looking for his name. I couldn't find it. Uh, fuck him. Um, I'll cut that out. <laughs> Not really. I don't. I don't want him to get hurt. Fuck him. Shut up. Um, so anyway, all <laughs> oh, that's totally unusable. Um, where? Oh yeah, yeah. So Dolores uh, strolls in and is like, "Hey, uh, so you got your your guy back?" And they're like, "Yeah, you know, we kind of buried him, mm-hmm. and this doesn't add up." So we're just going to, uh, I don't know, kill all of you, and uh, but not before some some good old fashioned rape. Uh, yeah, and she seems to know specifically about their journey, where they're going for, and it's a place called it's Glory, isn't it? Is it Glory? Is, is the woman's name the the other host name? No, no the the place that the, oh. the Confederate rallies want to go is is. I'm I'm trying to remember. I think the name of the place that they want to go to is Glory. Well, yeah, there there's they talk about the fact that like call it whatever you want, it's Glory, it's the the place beyond the valley, whatever yeah. you want to call it. We're all looking at uh, for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we are not going to follow you there because yeah. why on earth would we? And instead, we're just kind of, I'm just trying to decide whether uh, I'm going to rape you or her and give the other one to the men. Mm-hmm. And Dolores is like, really? Perhaps a demonstration is in order, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> and kind of kind of throws uh, Teddy the eye. And they bolt, like, it, it's a real uh, uh, Rorschach kind of situation where they bar the door. And it's like, yeah. you know. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Mm. And and Teddy straight up murders every last one of them. Yep. Blows them away. It's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, they they bring the tech in and are like, hey, bring uh, Jonathan Tucker. That's the actor's name. Jonathan yes. Tucker. Uh, they, they, they wake him up and she's like, so uh, you ready to listen now that I've murdered you and brought you back to life? Yeah, Last Supper, and she resurrects people. Mm. Yeah, it, Tell them, dude. <laughs> I wouldn't say the imagery is subtle. No, no, not at all. <clears throat> but I am happy. I am happy we're doing this. So now she has, uh, one would imagine, a group of undead, <laughs> even though they are hosts, uh, 
confederales to to her beckoning. And so she's building her army. Um so like <laughs> you know, she she she's getting there. Um and she's not the only one that wants to build an army, as we'll see later on, but that, that doesn't maybe go the same way in an absolutely fucking awesome scene. Um but yeah, so this is her starting to recruit now, and we get this feeling that if she cannot like talk someone into it, what she'll do is basically kill them, resurrect them to prove her power, and that's how she's going to get disciples. Once again, not anything that would make her endearing as a character in this season. Yeah, I mean, she really is the like almost demonic character of uh like i'm i'm going to murder you to make my point and then prove to you why it is you should follow and worship me mm-hmm. um it's yeah it is kind of sinister in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and then uh duncan we we cut away um to another flashback yes. this time after the last flashback Several years after the last flashback, um, it must be because uh, William is married and has a kid. Uh, when William was in the park, he was still he was only engaged. Uh, so if we assume that once uh, this is what I've been trying to do today is try to work out when things are actually happening. Uh, if we assume that the the conversation with Peter Mullen the first time happened maybe the year, two years after. I would say it probably happened right after the events in Westworld, season one, because they mentioned in that two, three years, it it was hemorrhaging money. He uses the same line, so it must be about the same time frame. He must still be engaged or maybe just married, and it looks like his kid in this particular flashback is maybe five, six years old. Yeah, I can buy that. yeah, so we've jumped forward a fair few years and um, everyone's doing fine. Uh, we're at a party. The party, unfortunately, is a bit of a retirement party for for uh, for James. James Delos is... I, I, it, the thing about it is it, he even says himself that, you know, it doesn't feel... It feels less of a retirement and more of a coronation. Um, and it looks like he's been retired because of ill health. And there's something specifically mentioned. I know we're, there's other, loads of other details we want to capture here. But there's something specifically mentioned by James about the tech they're developing. Now, we know that Delos also does um, Medicare stuff uh, because that was mentioned in the previous season. And James infers in this conversation that there's tech being developed that might cure what he has. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think there is that suggestion, sure. Right. So is that tech coming from Westworld? Let me right. let me yeah. let me hypothesize a theory, Bo. Go An on. early theory, Duncan's early theory. What if the tech that they're trying to use within Westworld is to almost um get out this scenario? And that the transference, like Robert Ford seems to be able to do, but the transference of your consciousness, etc., into a host, so you live forever. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the ultimate goal of any of this, right? Yep, and it looks like things are moving in a particular way because we know, like, we've already seen 
like when someone gets hurt or injured, uh, like we saw with William earlier on, they have this device that just seems to fix things up, just repairs the flesh straight away. That all this stuff has been developed by Delos, and there's something going on with Westworld. And James seems like, you know, maybe I'll get better. Maybe technology, like, in a, well, he's like, yeah, yeah, maybe. But that's, like, we're far away from that. Far away. But, you know, like, off into the sunset, old man. Please, please leave me. Um, <laughs> me like, like, literally, like, I am taking your company. Nothing bad will happen. Um, flash forward 30-odd years. Like, fucking sitting in a bar with Lawrence. But he's like, no, no. Just got uh, one of those statues of, like, a cherub peen. <laughs> But it's directly onto his like funereal urn. <laughs> yeah, nothing bad will happen, James. Um, but what's really interesting about the scene is once again we have another uh, another version of Dolores. This time playing piano. A reunion, if you will, Duncan. Yes, a reunion, a reunion. Um, and she's at first playing Chopin, which we find it very quickly. Um, Big James does not like at all. Yeah, well, there's there's a moment where William sees her playing piano, sees Dolores there, where he seems genuinely kind of delighted and taken aback and also a little guilty because he's with his family. Mm-hmm. And then he gets sidetracked by James. Yes. And so Dolores then goes off later in the party and it goes to look at the lights. And um, there we we run back into Logan. We run back into our line as well. Have you ever seen anything so full of splendor? Right. She is saying, you know, like, I came down here to look at the lights and, and repeats that line again. And Logan, it turns out, is on uh, is on Gank. <laughs> what? Gank? What, what, what else? The Yayo. <laughs> Yayo? The, the smack. The horse. <laughs> The white pony, the bone china, the clean burning propane. China. Um, <laughs> China. 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 Uh, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, but he's he's all strung out. And even Dolores is like, oh, I'll just leave you to it, I guess. <laughs> Perhaps you better. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll just be on my way, Dr. Lecter. And he's like, you know what they're doing out there? You know what that party's about? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Dr. Lecter. I just came down here to look at the stars. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they are celebrating the fact that they are instrumental in burning down the human race. Yeah. And, you know, whatever they're calling it, that's what they're celebrating. And uh, she is like, it, it seems pretty dark, Dr. Lecter. I am. <laughs> should prob- probably get back to the party now. And, and, and he wishes her, like, a may your forever be blissfully short. Yeah. So we leave the party for the time being to cut back to William and Hector, who mm-hmm. are have been directed... Back to Pariah, which yeah. is the town. Last time we were here, a whole lot of fucking going on, Bo. <laughs> yeah, this is the town, like, if if you go to Westworld as a, a guest, Pariah is kind of the place, if you want to get a little dirty, if you want to get down, Pariah yeah. is where you go. 
if you want to pick up a sexually transmitted disease of a host variety, this is where you go. Yeah, or it used to be, Duncan. Yeah, things have things have changed slightly because on their journey towards it, there is a, a like a soldier who is damn near crucified to a post, um, and like Lawrence is quite taken aback by this. And William says something which is quite interesting. He's like that. This is what happens when the story is left to play out. Yeah. So it like it's always resetting all these times so they can continue doing things. But if, you know what? If we weren't to do this. Look at the anarchy that would happen. Look at the, the 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 violence that would be wrought on this if it was just allowed to just continue. And yeah, it is a town of death. Yeah, right. There are bodies strewn everywhere. Uh, it's goth as shit because there are candles <laughs> all over the place. If there were more black lace, it would be a Stevie Nicks video. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, uh, William and and Lawrence just stroll down the middle of the street. Lawrence is voicing a little concern about what's going down. And he's like, I don't know if this is such a good idea to be here. Mm-hmm. And uh, right on cue, El Lazo, um, <laughs> who is the, uh, the, the bandit that it, William says to Hector, like, you were him once. Like, yeah, he used Lawrence to be the bandit leader. Yeah. Yeah. And, Crazy. <laughs> right. And he's like, uh, but, you know, in this case, like you said, you know, the story played out that uh, whatever was going on with this rebellion, like it, it turned into just a massacre. And mm-hmm. and El Lazo has uh, has purified the town and gotten rid of of all the invaders is what also been recast um, in a joyous way, even though this is, I imagine, the shortest cameo we're going to get in something like Westworld. But I was delighted. But who, who, who please? Who plays this young man? It's Giancarlo Esposito, uh, who you may remember best from Breaking Bad mm-hmm. as the owner of the, what were the, uh, El Pollo Locos. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, what was his name on that show? I'm forgetting. Uh, was it Gus? Uh, Gus, that's it. Yeah, Gus. Yeah. Oh, he had a great death on that show. Oh, yeah, Gustav. shit. Gustav. was his full name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so this is another scene that's real fucking cool because because he gets a monologue that's bitching. Yeah, he. So Giancarlo Esposito, like Ed Harris, is like, I need you and your men to come with me, and what I can offer you in return is truth. I can give Mm. you an understanding of what the nature of your existence is, and which is a tempting offer to anyone, I would think. But mm-hmm. Giancarlo Esposito is like everything that went down in this town and and what what's happened since. It's like that's all the truth I need. Like I don't I don't I I've had glimpses of this greater truth that you're talking about, and I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. He talks he talks about being a kid and you know desperate to he goes to the circus and he's desperate to see. Elephants, these you know, giant creatures that you know can cause damage and, and all the rest. I uh, you can tear down trees, and he was surprised to see that you know a small wooden peg in the ground and a, a bit of rope would would tame this animal. And I was hearing this monologue, and I was thinking, once again, we we talk about Jurassic Park um, on this show. Uh, we talked about it earlier on, and we found that the boy hates it. Um, but I'm watching. I like the original Jurassic Park quite a bit. Well, I, I think this is a kind of Nord reference to that because there's a great monologue in the 
in the original Jurassic Park. Oh, the flea where, circus stuff. Yeah, flea circus, which just felt exactly, felt exactly like you know, it, it's. I think there's parallels here, uh, in in a way which I feel like it's like an maybe it's a, a subconscious nod and homage to Jurassic Park that I can totally get behind. Yeah, except like. it's the point of view of the flea. Of yes. like, I've started to see beyond the circus and I don't want to see anymore. Exactly. And that to me is just fascinating. I, I really love, I really love that kind of, uh, that switch, the switch of stance. It is really, really good, but he's brilliant in this. And of course, William's like, come on guys, I know you're saying this, but everything will be fine. And then like, out of nowhere, all the, guards that are surrounding them whip out their guns and put them to their foreheads and they will find it it's because william like takes uh el lazo el guapo uh and puts a gun (laughs) to his head (laughs) it's a sweater Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) that's a funny character uh so he puts a gun to, to El Guapo's head and is like, I'm going to take your men regardless. So I'm just going to shoot yeah. you in the head. And I'm going to take your men. And that's the point where he's like, you're going to take my men. And then they all pull out their guns and put the guns to their heads. Yep. And fire, Duncan. They ain't, they ain't much fucking around here. They just pull the trigger. Yeah. And then we find out really, really quickly that El Guapo is actually... Um has been pre-programmed uh, as part of this little story by a certain guy called Ford, who basically, you know, turns around and tells him, you know, you're not going to get any assistance, William. This story is yours and yours alone. Um, yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, like a little tingle. And then, uh, yeah, El Guapo steals uh, William's gun and blows his brains out. Um, and yeah, and, like, William's like, fucking Ford. Like, it's like, come on, man, work with me here. Um, and this is like in the previous episode, like Ford through his child bot had basically said, you know, like the, the journey will find you and, you know, it's going to be this tough storyline that you've always wanted is really going to challenge you. Uh, but part of that is that he's going to have to go through it himself, minus Lawrence at the moment. Lawrence seems exempt. Um or maybe they have to direct things like it was in the previous season. Uh, but yeah, so, so William is is himself. Um, is, is a vet, no guards or no friends out with Lawrence. Um, and Lawrence is kind of his disciple in the park. Um, so we have this kind of clear map of uh, William wanting to make it to a place and burn this fucker down. Uh, we have uh, Dolores with her group of the undead, uh, Woke Teddy, um, the hostess that's whose name we can't remember, and the little tech dude who is just purely to bring people back, heading towards glory. And we have Mav who's got uh, Hector and um, Lee, and they're heading to get her daughter. So that's our three principal journeys. Um, I do that like. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. I, I do like at the end of the scene uh, after Giancarlo Esposito kills himself. William then says, "Fuck you, Robert," and shoots yeah. him about four more times. Just like son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. 
Uh, well, something we neglected to mention is like right at the very start when Dolores is you know in the room, we get a reflection of a younger Ford, and I'm like that. That sounds like someone doing a really good Anthony Hopkins voice. And it turns out, did a bit of research, Anthony Hopkins is actually credited for doing voice in this, so he's actually recorded additional, you know, vocals. Sure, so like, get get Anthony on the phone, we need him to say four things. Yeah, so he's done that for, I, I believe that's recording, which makes sense, because in the previous episode, when the kid was talking, they used a distorted voice that sounded like Anthony Hopkins, and that was him as well. Yeah, so he's obviously he's obviously he's obviously read quite a few lines, and they're just going to intersperse them in here, and I'm cool with that. Yeah, um, because the tech we said it before, like if you're having like just mirror, like kind of mirrored reflection images of a younger Ford, we saw him in the previous season, and their their CGI is on fucking point. Um, that they can do that without actually having to have Anthony Hopkins back. Uh, in a way which makes me feel quite happy. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. I love that idea. And once again, it's bucking the thing. I said to you, I didn't like this idea of Ford just being like, oh, and now I am in this body. And now I'm in this body. Mwah. I love this idea of the actual hosts like just knowing enough to continue to push the game uh, for, right. for William without being Ford. Yeah. And and it's yeah it uh, the scene kind of wraps up with the revelation. Uh, Lawrence is like, "Where are we going? It, is it like this guy Robert that you were just talking to? It, did he build it?" Yeah. And uh, William says, "No, no, no, I built it, and it's my greatest mistake." Yup. So I propose, Duncan, in many ways, this season of Westworld will become about the redemption of William. I said that last week. <laughs> I don't recall that. I said that last week. I said that what they would do is they would slowly make Dolores the villain. And if she was the villain, does that mean by proxy, the actions of William make him the hero? And you shot me down, son of a bitch. <laughs> No, Duncan, what I said that's different from what you said is that William is going to be redeemed by the end of this season, and Dolores is probably going to be the villain. It sounds very similar to what I said. Nay, identical. Mm. Um, (laughs) Doesn't hit me that way. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah, so the, the, the catalyst for this, you know, my greatest mistake thing is that we then see Dolores and crew, um, you know, well, heading, no, we get oh, a flashback first. At first, we get the cut. Oh yeah, we get, oh yeah. The, the the real kick in the gut here. Where Which this is this is to me the bookend kind of the, the 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 nod to the earlier scene with Arnold and Dolores. Which is, you know, like Arnold's one was all this hope and wonder and all the rest, and then she repeats that line to which he, you know, he's reminded that she is essentially a robot um and what we have is a character who we have younger william now this once again must be set further on than even this party because she's held in one of the confessional booth you know (laughs) things the the large rooms um and william looks older in this one 
You know what I mean? He looks he looks like he's aged a bit. Not a huge amount, but he's looking a bit more Ed Harris than he is uh, Jimmy Smith. So, you know what I mean? Um, and the... Or Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy Simpson? Yeah, I was going to say Jimmy Smith. Do you mean uh, Bale Organa? <laughs> from... <laughs> The Star Wars prequels. I, I, well, not actually. I meant uh, Miguel Prada from Dexter season three. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, you missed me, but I gave you the middle fingers, the prongs. Um, <laughs> Virgin. That's what I think of every time I see someone do that because of the young ones. <laughs> but, uh, so he's he's sitting in a room speaking to her. And what we get is the, like, a different, like, where Arnold saw nothing but, you know, uh, the hope, the prospect for a new, potential new civilization, that, you know, the evolution of of mankind to an extent by extinction, um, and all these things, you know, like, their rightful places to take over the world. Um, only to have that realization that they weren't there yet because she's not, she hasn't got sanctions. Um, to that point, what we get is a much further on version, um, and a slightly more sinister camp in that William fell hook, line, and sinker for that vision, you know, fully so much so that he fell in love with Dolores. Um, was ultimately betrayed by her, and the bitter twistedness that has built up in this guy. Um, has him opening up his conversation with Dolores by basically saying you're nothing but a thing. Yeah, it's fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, it, coming here with your cheap shoes. Um, you know, it's literally like a stripping down of this character, and of course she can't react, and it's it's pretty pretty emotional, man. Yeah, well, and he tells her, I thought. I thought I was fascinated by you, mm-hmm. but what I was fascinated by is me in this situation. Yeah. And he says, you know, uh, it's like looking in a mirror and you know, who likes looking in a mirror? Everyone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's just telling her like, you're, you're a thing. You meant nothing. I was, I was foolish to have had an emotional response to you in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, a whole lot of uh, I I should be I I feel somewhat ashamed of the fact that I feel duped. Yeah. And and so he says, "Look, let me uh, let me show you something," and takes her out uh, of the you know lab or whatever out into Westworld, and says, uh, "I, I want to show you something beautiful." And he show, shows her uh, this like big construction project that's happening as as Westworld is uh, being dug out or expanded or something like mm-hmm. th- whatever this thing is, whatever this place is. And then he says to her, uh, "Have you ever seen anything so full of splendor?" Yeah, and his heart lane. Te- yeah, teases her with her own programming, and in the robot world, Duncan, that's the double tap. <laughs> it is it is offensive to to robots. It's robotist, um, and it's and on top of everything, it's just kind of a real dick thing to say to somebody that you thought you loved. Yeah, but this is the this is the, this is the hardening of this character. 
and what, which, I, which is what I love about it. We're getting these snapshots along the timeline of William, which will lead us to the William we meet in, you know, season one. And then we're juxtaposing that this time around with the William that we see in these episodes, you know, the older William we see in these episodes as well, where I'm with you. I think that we are moving on a line to redeem this character, redeem the sins of this character. Um, So it's almost like we're getting the contrast of, whereas in the previous season, uh, younger William was this kind of wide-eyed, innocent, lover of all things, passionate, you know, caring individual. And old William was the, you know, the husk, (laughs) the husk of humanity who, like, really just, you know, indulged at when his kind of base instincts or baser instincts. Um, And we are doing a switch on that. I feel thus far we're doing a switch on that. And this season, I think, and what we're going to get is the contrast of those characters changing places. Which I'm totally with as well. Let me give you an alternate theory, Duncan. Ooh, no, I, I'm just kidding. I was just <laughs> going to repeat what you said again. You son uh, of a bitch. Um, so, so we have yeah. our final scene of, of this episode, Duncan, which is coming off of the back of, like, you know, uh, William being a real asshole to Dolores. We cut back to Dolores, only now it's the post rebellion Dolores. Mm-hmm. And she and Teddy are having a chit chat where woke Ted, Teddy woke Teddy, it, it, woke Teddy is like, hey, um, where are we going? Like glory, the valley beyond all that stuff. Like, what is it? And she says, a lot of people think it's a place, Dr. Lecter. I know that's not true. It's a weapon, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> and that's she it. She says an, an old friend it was, mistakenly. Yeah, was yeah. foolish enough to to show me. Uh, the truth of it, and um, yeah. I don't think it's what we instantly think, Duncan. I think maybe to discuss that further, we should jump to questions. Ooh, we have we, questions. We have questions this week. Uh, that, like I said, that's the end of the episode. Darren Wilson a- a- asks us: uh, Is a standoff between Dolores and Maeve coming our way this season? Or joining forces are one than the other. Ah, uh, well, let me. On this. Uh, oh, there is oh. a sub question here. Oh, I just oh. remembered that Lee isn't with Maeve when she and Dolores have their little fireside chat. So we presume it's later on. Yeah, uh, actually, he was there. He was. Uh, yeah, he, he was, was in with the background. Hector, so yeah. yeah, he was in the background. And then so. Joseph corrected that. So uh, forget all of that stuff. Uh, let's just stick with the original question: Are they going to fight, join forces, or both? I don't think they will fight. I don't think they'll join forces either. Um, I think realistically, but I think we kind of touched on this. I think, like, I can't see much in the way of anything that is going to drag Maeve into something that she has openly denounced as, you know, something which she sees as petty um, and out with the the realms of freedom, you know, the, the, the freedom to do what, you know, what one wants to do as opposed to what someone is being programmed or someone is being kind of knee-jerk responsed into. Um, that I don't, th- I think we are going to see some badass Maeve, but I just don't see it. I can't see it going with uh, Dolores's group or even against Dolores's group in any direct head-on. So I think, I think our, our Dolores 
confrontation is ultimately going to be with William, very much like I thought the previous season was going to be. That's the ultimate kind of thing. So I don't know if you agree, disagree, Bo? I think um, Dolores is going to go hellbent for leather on her vengeance trip for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's going to end up going badly. And she's going to have to enlist Maeve's aid. Oh, really? I think I think it's going to be a real Maeve's going to save the day kind of thing. Um, that's mm. early theory. Uh, Joseph Petruziello asks us, what are your theories on this, quote, weapon? Uh, so I know you had something to say about that. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I don't think, um, I don't think at the moment, and I may be wrong about this, that William and Dolores are going to the same place. Okay. Uh, you think it's going to be a... Like what? What is the weapon though? What? Because what do I don't think. Yeah, but the, William doesn't make any reference to being a weapon. It's Dolores that mentions it's a weapon. Dolores also says an old friend, which makes me think Arnold and not William. Like she never like. I think what they're doing is they're doing the classic like Westworld thing of setting up something. So we see a scene where he's like that. You know, you know. I want you to show you something beautiful. Have you ever seen anything you know such with such splendor or whatever? And then we see it, and then the next scene we see is her saying an old friend showed me this weapon. I don't think that's right. I I, I do not think that's right. So I think. I may be wrong about this. I think what she's making reference to is something that Arnold showed her, which maybe is a weapon because we know towards the end, Arnold was all about hating those humans. Um, So maybe he constructed something and told um, Dolores about it. And this is Dolores now remembering that and heading that way. Um, And I think that William is going somewhere else. I don't know where he's going, but where he where he's going is a tangible place from what he has said, and what Dolores is saying is it's not a place; it's a weapon, which makes me think it's two different locations. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah. I my my thought on it was that it was a ray gun, what sucks the souls out of people and puts them in robots. <laughs> I don't think that's accurate, but I would love to see that on this show. Which once once again, if we're if we're if we're leaning towards the theory that maybe the ultimate goal of humanity is to be able to live forever within robot bodies, it's possible, man. Maybe it's the device that allows you to do it. Oh, if only, if only, Duncan, I would do. Maybe that it's fast. maybe it's already happening, and that's why they've been taking those data cubes out. And maybe the device that they're going to will corrupt or kill those that have been moved into hosts. To to that end, Joseph Petrusiello a- asks, do you think Ford already has hosts in the outside world or even in Dallas's infrastructure? I think there's a chance because see, right, you, right, swinging into, do, do you want to go deep? Do you want deep dive? You I, I, nothing but, Duncan. Quit fucking around. Right. Um, since the previous episode, Duncan's been doing a lot of research online and something flagged up that caught my attention instantly, right? About the previous episode, right? Bear with me on this one. We're about to go a deep, right? So, Not like this. Like go on. <laughs> right. Um, Bernard, or Bernard, Bernard uh, <laughs> um, had an injury on his head, Right. An injury that came from the gunshot wound that he gave to himself, self-inflicted gunshot wound in season one, which was crudely repaired in season one, which started leaking that fluid in the first episode. 
um, and caused him, like when he was in that room, he was checking himself, diagnostics and all the rest, right? Mm-hmm. All, there was also a scar on his head, right? It's a small mark from where the bullet had went in. You follow me, Bo? I'm with you so far. Right, the the Bernard that we see on the beach at the very beginning does not have that scar on his head. Maybe there's more than one Bernard. Oh, multiple robot Bernards? I still think we're going to get a secret robot uh, this season. I think there's going to be some reveal. I don't know who that is yet, but somebody... I think I think the the Arnold plan is bigger than we think, or the Ford plan, one of the two. Um, but yeah, and there's also something worth noting as well. I think which is important that um, Arnold flashbacks are fine. Bernard flashbacks are unreliable. Uh, they're unreliable in that if we're seeing them through Bernard's vision, he's a host, and he's already been proved to not be able to see certain things. So we'll keep that in the back of our mind as well. But yeah, there are. If you go online, you will see the 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 Bernard theory about the the scar, which is definitely not there at the start of the episode, but is certainly there with that character throughout the rest and the flashbacks. They played heavy into this. You know, there's something going on. He's had to inject fluid in his head and all the rest. The Bernard we saw um, at the very start of the first episode didn't appear to be suffering from any side effects at all and also didn't have the scars so so I like what we're saying here about you know robots and reveals and all the rest is I think there's a lot I think there's going to be a lot of it in here and it's one of the reasons I kind of love Westworld is they can really do whatever the fuck they want like they could, they could you know they can they can have any like permutations of these like the, the teddy that we saw at the end of the first episode in the water might not be you know that there may be another ten, right? You know, we have ma- the- multiple hosts. Like you, it, it's just the Play Doh Fun Factory where you put the mold in and you, you stamp out like yep. four or five teddies. Yeah, and we know that their their anima, their soul, is basically in that head thing, which can be removed. Yeah, so, removed, copied, whatever. In yeah. Theory. So I, could, I think you that's- could have an army of woke teddies. Yeah. <laughs> I so badly want an army of woke teddies, um, but yeah. So um, that's that was a bit of a bit of a deep dive, but one where I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" Like I did not notice. I did not notice at all. Um, but there are there are screen grabs on the internet, and it's pretty clear um, that either something happens cosmetically to Bernard somewhere throughout the twelve days leading up to him being found on a beach, um, or that's a different body all right uh we will we will soon find out i think that's that's kind of a cool theory mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm gonna just read this for the sake of reading i think we've covered this mostly joseph yep. also uh asks us uh do you think we'll see mullins uh delos again they allude to the park having some kind of solution to his apparent ailment possibly yep. cloning him into a host body uh just wanted to for the record, that question I feel like we kind of answered already. Yeah. Um, so let's move then to our final question mm. from one court Psyops who says, would the story be as effective in chronological order as it is with this fractured narrative that reveals pieces of the world and its history? Um, uh, I don't know. You, you go first, Duncan. Yeah, so I like I've mentioned on here before, one of my favourite movies of all time was Memento. 
And I think when you watch Memento in the true form that Christopher Nolan wrote, uh, which is this, you know, we get these these snapshots of 10 minutes, then 10 minutes before and 10 minutes before. The beauty of that journey is that context changes in terms of characters from almost from scene to scene um, and that a character's motivation is revealed as being very different 10 minutes before the actions of which they do and it makes you right up to the very end of that movie which is technically the beginning it, it, it ties it all and it makes it really quite fascinating and a lot of respects I think it's no accident that his brother, who is a long-term writer and collaborator, and I believe actually wrote Memento, um, is, has brought this same sort of idea of time jumping, etc. Which, to be honest, has been used in other TV shows. It's been used in, it was used in Lost to, at some times, great effect, other times, less great. Um, I think what it has done for me is it has given why I think it should be done that way and not done chronologically is that very reason is that it gives context to characters' actions. Like when we first met William as the, the man in black, we thought, what a fucking evil dick. What a horrible, horrible man. You know, how can someone end up with that? And when we see him, even though we didn't know it was him at the start, as the young, young version of William, this kind of very nice, very, you know, like, a humanitarian um, version of William to see his journey throughout that first season to end at a point at the reveal that they are the same characters. Like, all right, so you know, it was inside him, and the events that he went through are sl- like slowly changing. But it's still a big jump between that William to the William that we had in season one. And what we're doing is we're getting further context in the flashbacks, which I think are great. We're also getting further context as to to Dolores, just to tell the story linear, I don't think is nearly as interesting. I don't think it builds the intrigue as well, which Westworld does. I think they're living in in the shadow of some pretty big reveals and clever writing from season one that they're going to have to continue doing into season two. This is why we're speculating so much about things. I think you only get that with a narrative which jumps around a lot, giving context to things after or before the fact. Um... Part of me is interested when the whole show's finished uh, that I would love to see it chronologically, just as a curiosity experiment. But in terms of week-to-week viewing, I think it's an integral part of what makes the show interesting. It's, the, it's almost another character in the show is the fact that we are jumping all over in different time frames. The fact that we don't even know if certain scenes, like we said, I I'm still convinced that the opening shot of the second season is set in the future. I don't think it's, I think it's set well after these events where Bernard talking to to um, Dolores um, in that room. It's a, a time frame we haven't reached yet. Just because the flashes of visions that he got included a vision of himself with a machine gun mowing down people. Um, and we know that there's a lot of dead bodies that are going to happen at some point throughout the season, which means it happens after. The fact they can do that I think adds to the intrigue of the show. And whereas I would love to see it chronologically, I don't think you get any intrigue in that at all. You just get an A to B to C story, which is maybe less interesting from my point of view. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I enjoy watching the show as an episodic uh, series. Like it, it's a show I'm glad I can't binge. 
uh, like we were talking about earlier. You know, it's just fun. To, it's fun to sit and think about and try to pick apart. And I mean, that's kind of the fun of the show. I don't, you know, I, one hopes that they have the end zone in mind mm-hmm. and that they understand like, hey, we've got to we got to bring this in for a landing that's going to make sense and, and be reasonably narratively satisfying and all. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I think Lost is a good analogy of like sometimes the mystery is worth it, you know, yeah. even if the ending isn't perfect. And I enjoy that puzzle aspect to to the show. No, I don't. I, I think if it were if the the show were told chronologically, I think it would be interesting, but nowhere near as as compelling. Yeah, um, totally agree. Yeah. All right. Well, Duncan, there endeth the questions for now. Uh, we'll we'll do another round next time. Um, between then and now, which will be exactly one week, because HBO keeps putting them out, and we keep talking about them, Duncan. <laughs> um, if people want to catch up with you, where can they do such a thing? Uh, you can check me out on podcast under the stairs. Um, we have just put out uh, an episode covering Baskin, which got its formal UK release on Blu-ray last week. Um, I'm joined by Liam Rafferty from the fantastic Scott and Liam versus Evil, who are um, another Scottish podcast. It was, it was a very fun conversation. A lot of digs at the bars in it, which is always good fun because they've got this little rivalry going, which I am just stoking the flames of that fire. Um, so yeah, we're covering that. In the interim, though, I, I'm on average putting out anywhere from two to three episodes a week. And when this episode drops, there will have been another episode out with a kind of short, non-spoiler and spoiler review of the new Blumhouse movie, Truth or Dare. And then mere days after the release of the episodes you're listening to right now, there will be the sixth installment in the 88 Films Italian Collection review series that I'm doing, which will be looking at Lamberto Bava's A Blade in the Dark. Oh, very nice. Uh, mm-hmm. I still need to see, what was it, Space Blast? Uh, oh, Blast Fighter. Blast Fighter, yeah. I still yeah. need to see so, that. So cheesy. Can't wait for that conversation. Um, all right, folks. And if you want more out of me, head over to legionpodcasts.com where you can hear this show and many others. Uh, uh, if you want to hear more out of me, there's uh, Horror Hangover, Hero, Hero, Go Show, uh, Devour the Podcast, and a uh, new show coming soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. very good show as well uh, we'll see I've changed a lot of things to make it worse <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you uh, and uh, yeah I think that'll do it uh, until next week when we get once more to the bottom of all the robot ins and outs of the Delos Corporation uh, Duncan say goodnight have you ever seen anything so full of splendor <laughs>